cheers to episode 35. Cheers. Cheers. Coors Light, the mountains are blue. Ginger beer. It's Australian. Freaking bush light, nectar of the gods. Look at how clear those mountains are. So clear that it's disappearing in the background. We are recording this podcast, episode 35. Myself proclaimed the college football extravaganza show. We're all analysts now. Tuesday, August 31st, 625 p.m. And the Lions cut Jelani Tavai today. I was going to say, before you celebrate, it's another man's job, but Evan just blew right past that. Yeah, Evan, you just lost his life. Get that bum out of here. <laughs> I, saw, I saw one of our beat reporters, I think it was like Michael Reisman or someone say like, before you say anything like bad about players on cut day, just remember it's their He's livelihood. He's not a beat reporter anymore. Michael Reisman? Rothstein? No, not that guy. He tweeted that. I saw that tweet. He's now with the Falcons. Different guy. No. This guy has a mustache. Well, I, I saw that guy tweet it, and his name was also Michael, so this could be a weird coincidence. Super weird. Probably not worth taking this much time to look into. Nope. This is how we're starting the podcast, because you have to be right about everything. And so do you. Jeremy Reisman. Yeah, that guy. Click that guy. That guy. How did I find this in two seconds? What did you do? Ah, a reminder. Don't be a dick on cutdown day. People are losing their jobs. Also, just don't be a dick. Yeah, that was it. Shout out Jeremy it's Reisman. a little different. He used the dick word quite a few times. Shout out Jeremy Reisman. Uh, that's what I thought of when I was going to introduce that. But like I said, I won't call Evan. Evan wasn't the D word. He's just happy. Just happy that the Lions got better today. But guys, Cut more throw. importantly, our top 25 lists are equally terrible. Mine's the worst. Whoa, now. let's wait. I'm going to get whoa, 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 I, told, I did some analytic research on our top 25 lists that I'll be sharing at the end of the show. So let's just not get too far ahead of ourselves here. All right. Well, mine's pretty bad. I have two guys that didn't make the team. So, yeah, the, we don't have July and July anymore. More importantly, obviously, college football is this week. But before we get into all that, it's been a minute since we've recorded. So, again, we, uh, we usually struggle with these how was everyone's week when it's multiple weeks. So, I will open-endedly say... like, Did we just, just not have a show last week? What's new in your life that has ha- is big enough to share in the last two weeks that's podcast-worthy? Let's see. Uh, new location? Yes, I'd say that classifies. New backdrop. Sure. Everybody's going to see that. So uh, new new spot. Back to campus. Uh, Should we fully air you out? Maybe just tell you what campus you're on, but not the apartment complex because the fans might overwhelm the building. Everyone knows. Yeah. I mean, I could see them lying up on the street right outside my window. Um, back to Michigan State campus. One last year. One last ride. Let's go. Um, coming. Moved in. Other than that, you know, camping trip was fun. I haven't done, I haven't recorded since camping trip. Oh, yeah. And fantasy draft last week. Great time. Uh, those are the three biggest things that happened recently. Yeah. I took the words out of my mouth with the fantasy draft. That's like the only thing I wrote down that I remember happening. That's just a great time. Um, if people want, we can, I don't know, we'll probably sprinkle in some tidbits because we'll just be mad at each other throughout the season when we play each other. But we're not here to bore you with our actual fantasy teams, really, because I know people kind of get bored if it's not your own league. Um, but we did that. We all play against each other. And then camping trip was just good time. pretty wild, pretty slippery. Uh, slip and slide on Friday. Correct. Interesting. Dried out my skin for like the next week. Yeah. yeah so I'd say we all collectively learned that too much dipped dish soap is a bad thing. Uh, yeah. It's pretty itchy for, for at least the next week. But overall, very fun. 
Didn't use the poor pie the whole weekend though. That's disgusting. Yeah. I feel bad for your insides. Well, he he took Imodium. Maybe that's off the record. Well, not a little veteran trick trick whenever I go on like long trips or things where you really don't want to have to, you know, spend too much time in the bathroom. A little magical pill called Imodium that just does the job for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Probably super bloated. Now the next week, you know, different stories. It's kind of fascinating. That could be a different story for another day, how that how the body corrects itself, but podcast is getting pretty gross right now. <laughs> well, the camping trip really uh, gets gets gross. The Fun. smell was pretty bad in that poor body when we left. Alex, anything new in your life uh, worth sharing? Worth sharing? Went to a surprise fiftieth birthday party. Me too. Yeah, you guys were. Evan too. Uh, I, I was there instead of the draft priorities. Yeah, uh, and then I think the only takeaway from that is. You know the surprise party was a success if the person cries. And if confirmed, they cried. um, With that all being said, unless we're feeling anything, let's move to college football. And feel like we should be hyper, but I'll put in some sweet college game day music for this. I was gonna say know, right maybe. there, you Just definitely need a little segue of college football music. Maybe the CBS opening. Yeah, that I don't think nice. we'll get copyrights for that because, like, I don't think they no. even a lot. Well, if you do the old themes, they don't even own those anymore. So I think those are fair game. Oh yeah, you should do that for sure. So it's here. Well, it was already here, I guess. Week zero. Still makes no sense. They call it week zero. That's actually really dumb. Really? You know, the games were all right. I think I watched two minutes of a game. There was We had a safety in the first Big Ten game. Like, that's the most Big Ten thing ever. I broke out the preview into a bunch of different sub-previews. The way we're going to do it, don't worry. And to, I guess we should refresh, right? So, Alex and Evan are Michigan State. Alum? I'm an alum. Soon, we have a soon-to-be alum. Not just One last fan. ride. And we have an actual alum. Myself... I did not go to Michigan, but I've been a Michigan fan for my whole life. And the school I the school I went to, Butler University, didn't doesn't it does have a football team, but it's not big time football, and so you kind of need that void. So I really like Michigan football as my main college football team. I think if we're gonna talk college football, you at least have to mention the greatest upset in college football history that occurred with your university. Well, good tease, Alex, when we maybe do some predictions for both teams, that common opponent happens to be one of Michigan, Michigan State's, State's opponents. So we can briefly touch on that uh, there. I hope you do. Okay. Yeah, I'll give some I'll well, give that's excited. love to the Bulldogs. Anyways, so the way we're going to do it is, again. Just get into it. Well, listen, there's still timestamps. So if you get bored of any part, like if you really hate Michigan. See, I don't know. There's some Michigan fans out there that like don't or and vice versa. Like where Michigan fans don't want to hear anything about Michigan State or Michigan State fans don't want to hear anything about Michigan. I kind of love knowing everything about my enemy. Like I like knowing what my enemy is doing. I like to know what Ohio State and Michigan State are up to. I like to follow them, have my own opinions on them. So if you're one of those people who just listen to the whole thing, and we did this with you in mind. So we're going to go Michigan offense of preview, state offense of preview, defense, Michigan, Michigan State defense. We're just kind of bop back and forth. So it's not just... 30 minutes plus of one team. I think that's the best way to do it. And we can also draw parallels between the two, you know, as we go. It remains to be seen how much of a show this is going to be comparing and contrasting the two teams because, you know, we could 
leave leave the other school out of it when we're trying to analyze. But inevitably, with how this rivalry works, we're always comparing ourselves to one another. So that'll likely happen throughout the show. Now, with that being said, it'd be time to preview the Michigan offense for the 2020 season. I'm cool with hopping in to start here and then doing part of my notes and you guys can just jump in whatever with any takes you have. So the big thing with Michigan, and again, if you're if you're wanting the big picture stuff of like setting up, that was last show. So go do that. This is like nitty gritty show. This is like into the weeds show. So if you want the big picture stuff, last show. Michigan's offense, offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, this is his third year in charge. He was the only one that survived the purge of firing of coaches. And a lot of people are kind of split on that. He took over in 2019. I wrote down here, uh, when it comes to Big Ten Conference, we were six, and I'm going to say we a lot throughout this episode. I hope everyone's used to that. Feel free to say we for your team as well. We were six in the Big Ten in points per game with 31.7, and seventh in the Big Ten in yards at 402. And then last year, 2020, six-game season, 28.3 points per game, so went down, but was fifth in the Big Ten, because offense was I guess overall down in the Big Ten. And then yards, 381 per game, again, seventh. So, Pretty much middle of the pack in the Big Ten in offense. Um, as a fan, there's been some games where I really like what he's done. And then some games where I secretly think Jim Harbaugh is still calling plays or guess doesn't know what he's doing. It really is a roller coaster ride. The perfect example tying in Michigan State is in 2019 when they won handedly. They ran a lot of bubble screens and a lot of motion and kind of jet motion on the outside like dpj got him in space which is what gaddis claimed you wanted to do when he came here speed and space this speed and space that they did that they out athleted michigan state in that game and it was perfect now you flash forward to 2020 they lined up in an eye formation and just ran haskins up the gut and it got stuffed over and over again by antoine simmons and we never adjusted and tried to run bubble screens um, they got Blake Corum involved a little bit, and we saw success on a touchdown run there, but it was not consistent enough. So that right there is a small microscopic view of like the overarching, like sometimes he's good and knows what he's doing. Sometimes it hasn't looked good. I'll leave it up to you guys if you want to hop in there before I go players. I thought we were just going to let you go for a few minutes. And I That's could, fair. but you, you covered that pretty well. I, my stuff is pretty played. Just cu- I curiosity, do you, have you guys noticed that, like in our matchups, where sometimes it feels like Michigan is just trying to put Michigan State in a phone booth, which is not how you should play against Michigan State? I feel like you tell me that every year, so I probably I do. That's probably the most. That. That's the most thing I probably say. Uh, I think sometimes you guys I, at times out. they try to, but I think when you guys beat us two years ago, forty-four to ten, you guys didn't do it, and you found great success. Great Thank success, Yeah, I. I just, well, in my honest opinion, I think just at times, like, that's all you guys could go to, like, where you knew you were either prepared or adjusted well, or this offensive game plan wasn't working. So we just tried to go as basic as possible and thought that your guys were better than our guys. I'll also say with Michigan State in general, the key to beating their defense the last, the D'Antonio years was spreading them out, bubble <laughs> screens. So, Michigan State crossing patterns like Ohio State type saw that from like every team they played. Yeah, Utah State did a really good job against them doing that. So talk about speed, my goodness, and like tempo. So diving into players, Cade McNamara, the quarterback, starting quarterback, confirmed. We know that that's a difference between the two teams this year. There's some question marks that we'll get to with Michigan State. 
We know he is starting this season. His stats, I mean, he played in four games last season, appeared in four, started one. So not a huge sample size. Had about, I don't know, I'm looking here, a little bit over 60% completion rate, but again, only 71 passing attempts, 425 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. So pretty clean football. Not going to shock you with legs or anything. I think the guy to me for Michigan fans is what I'm latching on to for Cade McNamara is, can he be like a Jake Rudock? And that will tie into my overarching thoughts of possibly this Michigan team a little bit later. But keep in mind Jake Rudock. So he played one year at Michigan, 13 games for us, 249 completions, 389 attempts. That's 64% completion percentage, so pretty solid. 3,017 yards, so just got over that 3,000-yard mark. Only 20 touchdowns, which seems kind of low, nine picks. So an okay ratio there. But you look at him, I mean, he led in Harbaugh's first year the team to 10 wins, that 10th win being a bowl game. And if you can get numbers like that from Cade McNamara, I think you have a chance to be pretty competitive in almost every game you play this year. Now, I know we've only seen him four games. He did not play against Michigan State. Is there anything you guys have seen in that brief stint or any thoughts on Cade McNamara in general? Yeah, sure. I just want to – is he the guy? Do you really honestly think that he is the guy that lead Michigan to 10 minutes? No, I don't think he is. I think he's a little more athletic than Jake Rudock, but I don't think he has enough around him to succeed. Offensive line, including in that. I just don't think you have the athletes around the perimeter to help Cade McNamara, and I don't know if he actually fits the offensive play style, like the spread formation. I think if you had the same, if you put him in Jake Rudock's shoes, I think he, he potentially could have been better than Jake Rudock with that offense because it was a more power eye, two tight ends, you know, and the, you had decent playmakers. I, I just don't know if Cade McNamara is actually the answer or they're saving J.J. McCarthy just so they have like something to go to when the coaches get ringed out for when he doesn't play well. Yeah, it is a sneaky, like classic coach move where you keep the young quarterback hidden. So like, oh, don't fire me yet. I still have this young quarterback ready to go. So it could be something there. I don't know what you're saying. I would agree with having just in the sense that I think Rudolph was put in a better position to win than Cade is going to be this year. So it's going to be hard to compare the two. But I do think Cade's more athletic and potentially could be better than Jake Rudock. I would proceed with caution. He's played four games, started four games, or just played four just games? Just appeared in four, started one. So he, he, looked, he looked pretty solid in some of that action, but I, you never know. Joe Milton looked great in the first game last year. and Well, great to you guys, right. but it didn't work out. I'm definitely higher on Cade going into this year than I was Milton because – and one second, one second, Alex, I know what you're saying. Milton was a complete unknown going into last year, really. Like we had maybe five throws from him in his career and maybe two runs. And then after the Minnesota game, the Kool-Aid was drank because he gave us a reason to think, okay, maybe this can be a good power running even with him offense and hit enough deep balls to be competitive. Turns out the accuracy wasn't there. From the limited games and throws I've seen McNamara make, I've been nothing really but like impressed. Like even just even just coming into the Wisconsin game and going three for three and leading a touchdown drive when you're just getting creamed in the rain was impressive. And you're just like, okay, well, this kid has something. Everything I've read, the Kool-Aid out of camp from from multiple sources is that this kid's much more of a leader 
and gets a better response from his teammates than Joe Milton ever did, which I think is pretty obvious if you followed anything with Michigan football last year. I mean, Joe Milton was actively saying during the Rutgers game, like, I'm just going to transfer anyways. Like, forget this place. So not the best teammate there. And they just said this Cade, Cade McNamara is just a freak. And also, we can't discount that his name is sweet. So you have to factor that into your starting quarterback having a good name. There's a famous general named McNamara, too. So leadership qualities, right? I, I don't think the name should factor into any right. thoughts. It's more of a joke. But my overall point is I think yeah. this kid is going to get a better response from his teammates than Joe Milton did, which is a huge factor, especially in college football, I would say. Like you can kind of be a dick in the NFL and get away with it. You can't really as well in college unless you're all-time good like Johnny Manziel. You also need to be yeah. sometimes. Yeah, well, I guess, yes, but what they're saying is, like, he is. He'll get on people and practice vocally, but I'm saying he's not, like, a selfish guy or, like, oh, I'm better than this place or I'll just transfer out of this place type deal. I agree. He looks like a much better leader than Joe Milton. The only other thing I'll say on his skill-wise, I think he will be good enough. I don't think he'll make a lot of mistakes, but I also don't think he'll be stunning anyone with flashy arm strength or on the run left-handed Patrick Mahomes throws. I don't think he's like that, but I think he'll be a solid game manager. I 100% agree with you. Okay. I, I, he won't even, I don't think impress people on the ground at all too. Like he can no. keep plays alive maybe. Yeah. Okay. Now don't worry people. If you're like, well, that was a lot of QB talk because QB is the most important position on the team. And that's basically where it stops and starts with Michigan's offense. And the, the whole Jim Harbaugh era could be summed up by QB. I have a brief little analytical Statistics studied for the running game situation. It'll be very brief. So I went back to 2018 because uh, I had this thought in my head of how Michigan's utilized their running backs. I just wanted to see if the stats backed it up. And Alex is peeking over to see if the stats do back it up on the side eye and hear the screen. But 2018, uh, one of the better years for Michigan under Coach Harbaugh. 11 games uh, Karan Higdon played in, so not even the full 13. He had 224 rushing attempts, 1,178 yards, 5.3 per carry, 10 touchdowns uh, rushing. And the next highest rusher was Chris Evans with 81 carries. So just kind of remember the carry split, 224 to 81. Okay. We move to 2019. Not as good of a year for Michigan football. Not. They were still competitive, but just not as good as that 2018 team. You have Charbonnet with 149 attempts, 726 yards. Five yards of carry, 11 touchdowns. And then Haskins in 12 games had 121 attempts for 622 yards, four touchdowns. So we went from 224 yards or 224 carries, 81 to a 149 121 split. Okay. And then we go to 2020, by far the worst of the Harbaugh era. We have Hassan Haskins in six games, 61 attempts, 375 yards, six touchdowns, six yards of carry. So that's something nice there. And then your next highest rusher was Joe Milton with 38 attempts and Blake Corum with 26 attempts and Zach Charbonnet with 19 and Chris Evans with 16. So I know it's only six games, but if you just think about the gap between the, the leading attempts guy and the next, it, it's shrunk over those years. And I think the record getting worse is in correlation to that. I You know, you can't 100% prove that, but that's my opinion on the team. I've always thought Michigan has been a better program when they have a bell cow back and sparingly use a change of pace back in the receiving game and on third downs, whatever. And my hope is that that is what they have planned with Hassan Haskins this year is to get him over 200 carries in a season. 
and to get him to a thousand yards rushing and to get him to double digit touchdowns. And then you can sprinkle in your Blake Corums and your Donovan Edwards as much as you like. That's simply my thoughts on Michigan's running game. And I'd be curious to see if you guys like have felt that at all. I mean, like the Higdons of the world were like beast Vincent Smith was, was a solid player. So you need to give guys like that 200 carries a game. That is Curious about your guys' philosophy in general for, sorry, 200 carries a season. Just curious if you guys like like that philosophy or you kind of like the whole running back by committee approach. I think the committee approach can work. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, what I saw, I saw an interview, Mike Hart did, the new running backs coach from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Former Michigan running back as well. Mm-hmm. Infamous comment guy. He said, what uh, Just kidding. he said Just kidding. that. You're throwing me off, Grant. He said that rattled, rattled, easily rattled. He said that uh, he's going to play the best running back for each situation, and he went into specifics about goal line situation. Whoever does that the best will run it then. Whoever is the best first down back will do it then. You know, classic coach speak, but also for your bell cow approach, that isn't probably what you would want to hear because you want Hassan Haskins to be basically a three down guy. Maybe Blake Corum on third down, I'd guess catch the ball a little better yep but or Donovan Edwards honestly I don't think Michigan will go full bell cow I don't think in today's college football many teams really do that anymore but I think it can work and I like it I've seen it work yeah I want to be different but it also can you know some college kids don't even want to be full-on bell cow because they're ruining their bodies before they get to the NFL so very interesting you said that because I was talking to two of my cousins who are Michigan fans, Michigan alums. And one of them made the comment that like, he thinks maybe Harbaugh promises some of the running backs that come in that they're not going to run you into the ground. So you're fresh for the NFL. And I was like, well, we've had one drafted in like the last five years. So maybe that plan's not working. Did Evans get drafted last year? He's the only one. Oh, wow. Like to ever in like five plus years, I think. He didn't even play that much. Well, he hasn't played yet. No, in college. Right. Well, he got suspended. Makes sense. Yeah. For academics, but. Evan. Bell cow. Evan's a bell cow guy. I know it. I um, how do you feel about uh, Charbonnet going off last week, Grant? Did you see that? See his stat line last week? Yeah. I always thought he was a talented kid. I And I think he probably left because he's like, dude, just make me the bell cow. He had a similar stat line against Minnesota and he was playing Hawaii this week. So maybe it could be because didn't he didn't get that many carries, but they blew him out. So maybe that's why they pulled him. But I don't blame him. He was a high recruit and he maybe was like, I don't I shouldn't be splitting carries with Chris Evans and Blake Corum. Like Blake Corum had more carries than him last year. He's probably like, this is stupid. So I'm just gonna leave. Today's college football uh, from like the outside perspective i just don't know if josh gaddis is like ever like wants to commit to the run like i think he's a traditional uh spread guy where he wants to do rpos all the way down the field where he only where he throws 60 times 60 percent to 40 times 40 percent for a run and i think that's the way he wants it and i think it's a little hard for him to just line up and run the ball you know 40 times a game just to call runs when he in theory you're trying to for rpo game or spread you're you're calling a play and then you have multiple options off of it and maybe that's a read maybe it is a throw read but i think just the way the play calling i think it's hard for them 
to commit to a run. And obviously with the offensive line struggles, it's harder to commit to a run. It's harder to get the offense, the run game going. Uh, we'll talk about that with Michigan State. And then obviously if your defense struggles a little bit, you're behind, you'll be throwing the ball more. So then you're not relying on it. Uh, but I do think, you know, you find one guy for Michigan State, I, it's going to be different for Michigan State, but I think for Michigan State, I think finding one guy and the hot hand and let it go, let it ride and see what happens. Cause I think it would be the best case scenario for them. I know you have the five-star freshman from the state of Michigan that everybody wants to see, but you know, maybe it's not his time yet. And I think when you get the experience out there and because high school is way different than college. And then that second week, that game is staring everybody in the face. You have to get ready for it. Like, I mean, the first week matters. It's about quality, getting stuff on film, quality reps. Yeah. And and leading into that little tease, they did basically guarantee that Dom Edwards will see, I didn't say how much action, but we're going to see him. So I'm very excited to see how that goes. But yeah, to your point, like, and that could be like what Mike Hart's alluding to with the situation. Like maybe the situation is just who's ever hot that game is, we're just going to ride you. And then depending on the matchup, if we're trying to spread you out more, it's quorum. So we'll see. Um, I do not have another stat analysis for the wideouts. Uh, there's still a lot to be proven there. We know Ronnie Bell is going to do Ronnie Bell things. He'll be solid across the middle guy, going to win a lot of contested balls. He is not going to take the top off of any defense in the Big Ten. It's just not what he does. Pass for Penn State for a championship. He did drop a pass versus Penn State to tie the game that I almost willed them back to because I was just screaming at the TV when we were down multiple touchdowns to get us back, and he dropped it. Um, but it does feel good knowing that like you have a guy – that can get you that tough third down that that's your relied upon target to get over the middle. Everyone's saying that the breakout year, I heard it last year, didn't really happen, you know, six games as well, but he did have some flashes. Cornelius Johnson, uh, outside receiver for Michigan, a little bit more height than the rest of the roster. So that's good because in my mind, when I think about the best Michigan wide receivers I've seen, they've all been taller as, as opposed to little speedster guys. So I like the prospect of him. Everyone praises his route running. So hopefully that, uh, you know, we can see more glimpses of like his route against Indiana that he had last year. That was a great catch for a touchdown. We need more of that. So maybe he'll be an outside threat. And then you have like your little speedster guys that I alluded to. Your Mike Saner stills of the world. Your AJ Hennings, who I'm personally very excited to see because he's supposed to be like the fastest dude on the team. We didn't get to see him that much last year. Roman Wilson, who actually was very surprising, probably slept on because he actually made an impact as a freshman, made some big catches. Uh, so we'll see how he grows. And then to me, the X factor, and he might not, it would be one of those things where this guy's either going to make an impact or he's not even going to be talked about is the Dalen Baldwin transfer from Jacksonville State. Because when you look at his metrics too, he's similar build to Cornelius Johnson, but supposed to be faster. He's supposed to be a tall guy. And I'm hope like he basically just ran vertical routes at Jacksonville State. Obviously, he's got to do more of a route tree. But if we just find a guy who can take the top off of a defense who's tall and can do so, I think that gives you more of a dynamic of um, not comparing them to these guys, but gives you a similar dynamic that Nico Collins and DPJ brought. More so Nico Collins. He was our deep ball guy uh, who sat out last year. If we can get that element back to the offense and people have to respect that and then give you more room for the – for the speedster guys and, and Blake Corman space, that'd be huge for Michigan. So I'm interested to see how quickly he's adapted and if he actually has a real role on this team or it's just kind of one of those like hype transfers that doesn't really do anything for you. Tight end, 
I don't, I mean, Eric all dropped a thousand passes last year. Uh, he looks the part, but if you can't catch, you can't play. So I don't think Titan has actually typically been in a strength for Michigan. I don't really see it as that way. It's like average at best. I didn't even really know who those tight ends were reading the depth chart. So. It's really only Eric Hall. That's the only guy. He But he drops a lot of passes. Uh, he's a practice hero. So we'll see if he gets that corrected. And then I'll just wrap up quickly because I don't have much to say about the O-line. The, the reports out of the team are that this could be a revolving door of eight guys. or They basically said there's eight guys that could start. So obviously you think, oh, that's a good thing. We have depth, which is good if there's injuries because there was last year. But it's also scary because, like, you need to make sure you have the right five in the right spots. A big thing with Michigan is, like, there's a lot of debate over who should actually be the center. And, like, do you want to have a great center and then sacrifice the guard spot or hopefully balance out the two um, between all the people? I I mean, personally, I actually wrote down, like, I I deep down believe that the O-line will be a strength for Michigan this year if they can get the pieces right. There was injuries last year. Uh, including Jalen Mayfield, who we lost to the NFL. So it's like people are going to be like, oh, you lost Jalen Mayfield to the NFL. Well, they also played most of last season without him after an ankle injury. So they accustomed to that. They just need to make sure they have everyone in their most comfortable positions. And if there are some injuries that happen, which always happen in college football on the offensive line, hopefully they do have eight deep that can fill in. So we'll see. And and like we said, like Evan said, offensive line is so important. Like Cade McNamara is going to need time in the pocket. Because he's not going to be like a crazy play extender. That's pretty much all I have for the offense. My overarching thought was just uh, there's a, other than a few guys, there's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks, a lot of guys that need to take a big step in order to uh, to really improve as a team. So it's tough, tough to judge. Let's yeah, see. I think if I'm basing off of like I said, the points kind of the beginning here of Josh Gaddis, I would expect this offense to score at least 30 points a game. That should be their goal. In 2019, you did 31.7. In 2020, you did 28.3. You should score 30 points a game. That wouldn't be bad. If your defense can stop someone, that wouldn't be bad. Well, that's a bigger issue. So now, all you Michigan State fans who suffered through that, we hop into the Michigan State offense, which Alex has proclaimed there's no chance it can be worse than what he saw on the field last season. And for his sake and everyone's mental sake, I hope that's true. It actually can't be. I'll it, let you guys. Uh, it I'll, cannot be worse. I'll tee the ball. I'll tee the ball up for you guys on this one, so you guys can rip into it. I did write down some thoughts, but I don't have a ton. I kind of did my thoughts as like as a Michigan fan when I look at the Michigan State offense, like what parts of it do I not fear, and what parts would give me concern in a matchup against them. Where do you want to start? Start obviously the number one is the QB battle. Yeah, yeah, we got a good old fashioned QB battle. QB that has been decided behind Clemson. as of right now on 831 701 p.m. The public does not know who the starting quarterback is for the Michigan State Spartans. Now, Tucker's been asked multiple times, he doesn't want to give an advantage to Northwestern. I think it's smart. I still think you should release a depth chart for the public, but that's just my opinion. I don't matter. Um, <laughs> you do matter, you matter a little. <laughs> Uh, going into it, uh, you know, you look back at the spring, they were kind of splitting 50-50. And I always say, you know, I didn't like when Russo came in. I thought we should just stuck with, stuck with Thorne, maybe bring in like a younger guy to compete with him. But then you bring in Russo, he's a grad transfer, pro-style quarterback, kind of what Jay Johnson's offense was supposed to look like. 
And I think that's who is going to start because it always comes down to you don't just bring in a grad transfer to have him sit. Maybe he really likes it here and he's willing to do that. But I think he's here to have the starting job for at least the first game, probably the first couple of games. I do like Thorne. He played well at times last year. Um, thanks to no help to the defense and offensive line, no run game. Uh, and he's kind of different from Russo, totally different. He's a little bit more mobile, uh, a little more athletic, but doesn't have as strong of an arm. Now, doesn't have the experience like Russo does, but Russo also turned the ball over on a very terrible Temple team. So, I mean, give or take. And I don't know who... I think it's Russo, but I don't really know who I want. Obviously, if you ask me halftime of Northwestern game, it's probably me. I want the other quarterback. <laughs> That's just probably how it's going to be. So, Alex, what's your thoughts on the QB battle? Well, let's try to touch quickly on what you said. So, I wasn't upset about bringing in Russo. I think that was a good idea just to uh, enforce competition. We didn't want Peyton Thorne to just walk into a job. Theo Day wasn't going to do anything. Oh, no, Kim. My guy. Noah Kim's a little young. He has played well, but no, he's not there yet. So I think it's good to bring in the competition. I thought Thorne led all through the spring, but kind of expected because he knew the playbook. Russo did not. What right. I I wouldn't say Thorne. I didn't wouldn't say Thorne led all through the spring. Oh, first debate. Well, regardless. Then I what I heard was that sources. Sources. they uh sources. Jay Johnson decided the quarterback after the second scrimmage and the stuff about the second scrimmage was that Russo played really well. So I think I would agree that it's probably Russo that starts. He is the more experienced. I also don't know who I want. Russo is the gunslinger, you could call it. Mm. And Thorne is very similar to Cade McNamara. Like they are very similar comparisons, I think. Where he's not going to blow you away, but... He can manage the game. He did have a few turnovers last year, but that team stunk, and he had a forced throws. Russo had a lot of turnovers at Temple. Also, he had to try to win the game by himself with a bad team around him. So I think both of them will drop the turnovers this year. Were these turnovers like a mix of like fumbling and interceptions? Mainly picks. Or? Mainly picks. Mainly Russo was throwing the ball into like double and triple coverage. To try to, try to make him play. Yeah. Got it. It's not good. If you watch the film, it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. I would oh, really? rather have that guy's. It's like, ooh. No, but Russo can also make throws that other guys can't. He he probably has yes. a, you could call an NFL arm. Oh. Strength-wise. Tangled. And then if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty, you're like, okay, Russo is, you know, uh, roommates with our new transfer, Kenneth Walker, but Peyton Thorne played high school ball with Jaden Reed. So, you know, chemistry here and there. Yeah. Who do you want? And you talked about Cade McNamara's leadership. I think Russo's the more vocal leader, but I think both are good leaders and both have respect from the locker room. So I don't think that'll be a problem. So that's good. Uh, my sources, they're both leaders on the field at practice situations. They're kind of more of a uh, lead by example. They're not going to blow you be away, as vocal you. as some quarterbacks in college football, but they did or have shown, you know, leadership values on the field. Do you guys think it's going to be like the first game? This is my, this is what I wrote down as a concern. And it's just as a bigger picture college football thing, not Michigan state specific, but it applies to you guys this year. I hate when it's like 
the first couple games are used as like a tryout and they don't let a guy play the whole game and they're like 50-50. And I think that's when you just shoot yourself in the foot and you get off to a slow start and you never figure anything out. Do you think it's going to be like 100% Russo if you throw two picks in the first half of Northwestern, you're starting the second half? Yes. I think based on what you saw last year with the staff, they let Rocky get plenty of plenty of reps before they decided to go a different direction. I think whoever they pick for game one or whoever they already picked, I think they're going to play the whole game unless it's just Rocky Lombardi abysmal where he's interception every three plays. But I don't think either are going to – I think both are solid options and a ginormous upgrade from last year. But you, so you, do you not want I think they'll fit, go though. Do I don't want 50. Want, okay. I don't want split. That it never works. No, I don't want that. Could be trendsetter. I think it will be all one quarterback all solely because it is a Big Ten game and it actually matters towards your record. If we were playing the Youngstown State, the first game in Northwestern, the second game, then I could see them splitting reps because you should be able to go out there and beat Youngstown State. But since we are traveling to Evanston, I think whatever quarterback they pick, they will stick with. Fingers crossed they will stick with them. And I think Mel Tucker said that we're doing one quarterback at a time. Yeah, I think I think the staff believes in one guy. All right. Well, that's good. You guys want to hop into skill players at all? Because I know when I think about Michigan State football, it's a strong run game. And as Evan alluded to with the offensive line struggles, why did you just make a weird face? The run game hasn't been good in six years. Oh, I was just... That's why I made a weird face. Well, when you guys are good, it's a strong run game. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So oh, I mean, even some of the down years, you still have a like, respectable running back. Like a guy that like you don't want to tackle. Fine. So that, I think, is like the biggest piece. And obviously, this could be your guys' um, Kenneth Walker birthday party session, celebration session, if you guys want. I think he'll be Michigan State's best running back since Jeremy Langford, who was pretty solid. People forget. Give me some names. In be- facing that much competition. Give me some names in between those two. Is LJ Scott in there? He's better. Kenneth Walker, I think, will be better than LJ. Wow. LJ Scott's a legend. Was he? Yeah, I feared him. His freshman year. Who else? Give me some names between. Uh, Gerald Holmes. Nope. Dre London. Hmm. Big guy, I think. Connor Hayward. Nope. Elijah cool. Collins still there. First year. That's that, nice. That's about it. Okay. So yeah. I don't know. Could be fair. I think he has. Well, I'll let Evan talk. He knows more than I do about him. So and give us a sneaky rundown. As much as we just said we should be running back. Oh, bell cow. I think this will be running back by committee. Oh, no. Um, do a little research. Absolutely. Elijah Collins last year caught COVID right before the season and lost a bunch of weight, never got his feet underneath him. That's why he fell in depth, never got back, and that's why you saw a little bit more of Jordan Simmons last year and Connor Hayward. Um, but this year, uh, rumor has it, Connor Hayward isn't competing for reps anymore at running back. H-back. Um, H-back, tight end, however you want to see it. He's going to be on the field. Heavy unit. Big role. He did catch a screen pass for us to beat Michigan, so we'll always salute him for that. Thank you. Great. Um, super nice guy. Uh, super funny at practice. Um, but Kenneth Walker is probably the most athletic running back I have seen since probably oh – gosh. Javon Ringer. Mm. I mean – Do go that far. Love Bell's I would go back to Javon Ringer, but he's probably more athletic than Javon Ringer because we never saw Javon Ringer catch any passes. Like Javon Ringer was to turn around, hand him off to 40 times and let him run. Where Kenneth Walker has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield in a new college football. It's not 2007 anymore. Will he, though? Uh, yes. Kenneth Walker be able to catch passes? Yes. Will he, though? 
So I didn't notice. I just looked up his stats. He split. Caught at Wake Forest. Six catches and six receptions in his career. That he would make me nervous. Split. I'm not saying I'm not Harris. saying that's bad because I'm saying you guys have like Harold Joyner and you have guys that can catch passes. I just don't know in games is he going to be used like that. He can catch passes. Yes. Okay. Well, well, I think he's. I think he's like the third down back where Elijah Collins will probably be like the first and second down back. He's Whoa. added his weight back. He's looking good in practice. Um, and Kent Walker's kind of like the shifty, more different running back. You're telling me Kent um, Walker's not going to play first and second down? Because that's I envisioned him as like a three down guy. I completely disagree with what Evan said. Well, I, I, that's just from what I've seen. Now, I also have seen Kenneth Walker make the most – Freakish and athletic cut that I have seen on a football field in my life. Wow! Um, Get the fans. I, I, my jaw dropped to the floor, and I probably should have been doing something more useful, but yeah. I, I had to stare at the play. It was electrifying, and I was like, "I am so lucky he is wearing green and white." <laughs> um, but with that being said, I think they're going to go to like the senior in Elijah Collins, and a little bit. And I still think Elijah Collins is has. Wheels left on the track, whatever you want to say. He's not um, a senior. He's a solid he? running back. Tread on the top. Tread on the tires. Yeah, he is. Unless he's got like another eligible year. And so, I think those two are going to be the main guys that run the ball. And I think it, for this team, I think it might be whoever has the hottest hand because we saw that last year with Jordan Simmons. I agree. So whoever that's playing two. well, but I do think third down situations you're going to see primarily Kenneth Walker out there. And then, like, first and second down, you're going to see a little bit more of Elijah Collins in those situations. I'm not saying Kenneth Walker won't play first and second down, but I'm just saying you'll see him more at third down over Elijah Collins. I think we're going to see a lot of two-back sets. Well, I'll be Grant Stats guy here, just purely off stats. I think not making Kenneth Walker a 200-attempt guy in this season is a mistake based on just yards per carry. Agreed. His freshman year at Wake Forest, six yards per carry. Next year, five yards per carry. Elijah Collins is four yards per carry, four and a half, and 2.2 last year. Um, so I'm fully on Kenneth Walker. So what I was saying was yards per carry-wise, which I, I think matters. I mean, obviously stats tell a different story. And like, like you said, Elijah Collins, the 2.2 I think can't be held against him because he did have COVID. And every, everyone on that program said he was a different guy, like in a bad way. Now he's a different guy in a good way going into this year. So I guess we'll still see. But I think... Like, I would be happy as a Michigan fan seeing Elijah Collins line up on first and second down. I would be a little bit more scared see, if I saw Kenneth Walker. You're going to see Kenneth Walker a lot more than Elijah Collins. That's just my personal gut feeling. And what you would want? I absolutely want him to be full-on bell cow. Need more cowbell. Now. <laughs> now. What? To potentially the best position group on Michigan State's team. We have to mention. Well, yeah. I mean, the receivers. The skill players. They're not the best in the Big Ten. Alex thinks they're like top two in the Big Ten. I think they're the second best receiving core in the Big Ten. They're not. They're underrated. They are underrated. They are underrated, but they're not. I mean, Penn State has a better one. You Just, don't actually know that. No, I do. There has been no games played. We have not played any If we're going games. off of last year. Yeah, with Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, so you have to throw that out. It'll be on this year only. I All think right. Michigan State's receivers. So we're throwing out Michigan's record last year. They had Joe Millen. I think Michigan State's receivers will be <laughs> – as a group, the second best in the Big Ten. I think you'll think that at the end of the year, too. Whew. Evan? It's a lot of teams, man. Well, I, I don't know if you can say groove. I would say duo. I think there's going to be a Top lot more two. tight end sets. We've added tight ends to the roster. And like you said, there's going to be a lot more running back sets. So I say duos. I would take our duos over a lot of the duos in the 
Big Ten. You know, you have some flashy guys here and there. Ohio State's loaded with everybody. They don't um, and then you have a couple teams with like a solid one receiver. Um, but, you know, they're both kind of like similar. Jalen Naylor almost led the Big Ten in yards per reception with just under 20 and 19 point something. Um, and the Jaden Reed led the team in receptions last year with 33. Both frequency athletes, and I think they can only help whoever the starting quarterback is, and they can play inside or outside. Uh, but my biggest thing when I wrote down what I'm doing, I would like to find a wide receiver three. You know, we had it for one game with Ricky White last year for the Michigan, but he hasn't practiced since. Is he last on the team? Year. He's on the team, but he is not participating in team activities. So he's not playing week one. Absolutely not. Correct. Okay. Um, so, you know, you have the freshman coming, Keon Coleman's getting some buzz around there. And then our guy, our, uh, our, yeah, our, our NIL sponsored uh, athlete. And I'm going to say this first name, also, I'm not going to say it, but Foster is kind of stepping up. There you go. I heard he's kind of stepping up as a number uh, three receiver. Him and Trey um, Mose. Other than that, it's a lot of wide receivers. See who has the hot hand, who can flash. Um, I'm going to say this kid's, I wish I knew what the kid's name, but I think his last name is Maze or it's not Mize, but it's spelled like M E Y E S or, but he was balling out in McDonald. Uh, I don't think it's McDonald. Peyton no. Thorne's high school teammate, Cade McDonald. Sure. He was flashing out in spring ball. He was catching everything. So a little scouting report for you. If he is in the slot and it's a goal line situation, he will catch a fade route for a touchdown in your corner's face. Wow. It's just a guarantee it's going to happen. Okay. Wow. Well, he, he there was not one corner in spring ball that could cover him one-on-one. It was impossible. <laughs> yeah, he was in and out of break so fast and just it's sure hands, and it was electric. Wow. That's a little hat tip. I wrote down. I mean, I I wrote down of the offense. I said I respect the wide receiver core the most of any offensive unit. I think that's a no brainer when you look at the team from afar. So that'll be obviously like the team. Look at this guy. Like when you when you're if you're an opponent, you're a fan of an opponent. He's a baller of Michigan State. You're going to be like, okay, wide receivers are what we have to keep in check, and that could change depending on how Kenneth Walker does. But as a Rivals fan perspective, Ryder receiver core, clearly the most solid offensive unit. Which leads me into my big question that I know nothing about, but I'm hoping you guys can inform me. Can you please tell me about the offensive line of Michigan State? Oh, yeah. Michigan State's offensive line in the last five years has been very bad, right? Can't run the ball, no protection. It's been terrible, okay? What I've read, what I've heard is that this offensive line has a chance to be the best of all those. It's the most experienced we've had in a while. We brought in transfer tackle Jarrett Horst, who played at Arkansas State and offer from Oklahoma to transfer to there. So he's supposed to be the real deal. He'll be starting. Luke Campbell gets to move. No, not Luke Campbell. Kevin Jarvis gets to move back to his normal position where he was uh, uh, on the all Big Ten freshman team his freshman year. So he was considered one of our best linemen. And then A.J. Arcuri, I don't know how to say his last name, butchered that. But he's apparently taken big steps, and he's a huge dude. So he's supposed to be a lot better. I think overall the offensive line is supposed to be much improved. But I've heard that every year for the last five years, and it hasn't improved. So we'll see. But offensive line coach uh, Chris Kapilovich 
is known for turning around offensive lines quickly. And he's like one of the top offensive line coaches in the country. So hoping for the best. Where'd he come from? He was la- He went to Colorado with Mel for one year, and then he was an offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at North Carolina. Oh, nice. They had the number one. Uh, Under Mac Brown? or before, before Colorado? Before Colorado. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Um, so the, the transfer horses sliding in the left tackle is going to start day one. You're going to see him out there probably for every single game. There's not going to be a single question about it. Oh, wow. Um, Solid. That's big. A left tackle, that's a big deal. Those aren't inside sources. That's just fact. Um, AJ's going to move from left tackle. He's been pre- playing previously. He played in all seven games in 2020, 492 snaps on the 498 total snaps he, he played. So he played 98% of them. Um, he'll move over to right tackle now to add a little bit of stability. He was probably our best overall. If you grade him out, our best blocker last year. Not saying much, but he was our best. And then when you move back from the inside, is now you're looking at guys, are they going to contribute? Is Matt Allen be able to contribute? He's a six-year guy. Luke Campbell's a six-year guy. Is he going to be able to contribute? And like Alex said, well, last six years we struggled, but the one year that we succeeded was uh, 2017 when we went 10-3. and three. Campbell and Jarvis were our two guards. And then as soon as, for some reason, as soon as 2018 hit, we just move everybody around. And I, I hate doing it. I hate moving guys around. Just go in there. You have one spot and that's your spot for all four years. Stick it out. You have, if you have competition behind you, it's only going to make you better. I hate when you're sliding them around. Yes, it's eerie the same way, but now you're looking, your eye level is different. Your blocking assignment is going to be different. And whoever you're blocking with the next two is always different. So those two guys, I hope play better. And then Matt Carrick, fifth year guy, Blake Buter, fifth year guy. They've all had experience. And then a couple of the younger guys, uh, J.D. Duplain played decent the past couple of years, and Nick Samick played decent the last couple of years at center. So you have experience. It's just a matter if you can get the correct offensive line group together. And I think with the two tackles, now you're limited down to three spots and who are the best three guys in those spots. And I think it's a lot easier there. Hopefully Matt Allen plays because he contributed well in 2017 as he was a starting center. Um, but we'll see. And it is the biggest question mark. And like you said, Grant, when Michigan State was well, we had a good run game. And the only reason we had a good run game is because we had NFL starting offensive linemen. You know, Jack Compton was at left tackle for three years. So that kind of helps. A little. Um, we don't have an NFL guy now, but hopefully we bring some stability with our transfer. I'm just going to clap for Evan's rant about moving people around unnecessarily on the line because I feel like cool. it's just my biggest. It's my biggest pet peeve. I don't understand why coaches do it. I get it. There, he might be doing better, but it just don't preach. It just it just hurts. It's so dumb. Just if you're good at something, let them do. It. Find someone else and teach you in the position. Yeah. Thank you. So those, I guess, are actually kind of mirrored the way you described it um, between Michigan State and Michigan. Like they should have talent. Five deep, but where do you put them and do you put them in the right spots is a big question. Uh, I guess without further ado, then we move on to the other side of the football. And I don't have as much of a preview for Michigan's defense because there's a lot we don't know. I mean, it's hard to preview something you've never seen before. What we do know is Don Brown got fired. Now, I'm not, this is not a crap on Don. I don't know if you're fist pumping, Evan, because I don't know if that's a good thing necessarily. Uh, I told him to kick him out. You know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you guys kicked him out. Because, like, 
I won't shop Don Brown. You will not. I will not be a Michigan fan. It just like craps on him because he was very good for a few years. Like he was very good, and you could say all oh, the talent, whatever. His scheme was sweet. I mean, there was a clip that someone put out that went not like Michigan football, Michigan State football Twitter viral. It was against Michigan State. It was like third and seventeen, and they were all eleven players were lined up like within three yards in the line of scrimmage, like pressing everyone. And it was like, this was Don Brown really did this in like 2017 on third, third and longs. Like he was a madman. Like he would just press everyone and like, just say beat our corners, which worked for a couple of years. Cause you had NFL corners everywhere. And now you don't when we saw that last year. So he got fired. Um, well wishes to him. It just, it seems like he didn't adapt to, cause there's always coaches that adapt to what they have. And there's coaches that just run their scheme no matter what. And he seemed like he ran his scheme no matter what. And he didn't have the personnel for it. And I don't know if he was a great recruiter because he was a little older. I don't think he loved doing that. So I think they wanted some young energy, which is why they hired Mike McDonald. Um, there's an A in the first part, but I'm just going to say McDonald. There's no way it's McDonald. I just can't, that can't be a thing. Um, I, we talked about him on one podcast a long time ago, but briefly, he just will be his first full time um, as the defensive coordinator guy. He was at Georgia for a long time. Uh, well, not a long time. He's not, he's young. So nowhere for a long time, but he was an assistant at Georgia on their defensive scheme under Todd Grantham, I believe. And then yours. Um, That's, I'm just curious for myself. I really don't know. Cause uh, Mel was there probably 16 or 17. Cause then he was with the Ravens for the last couple of years. That means Mel was his boss. Uh, he was under Todd Grantham. So maybe it didn't line up. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll research that after and figure it out ourselves. But then he went to the Ravens and then obviously, you know, called a cop out or what Jim called his older brother. Said, hey, you got anyone for me to hire? Probably. That's how I'm imagining the phone call going. And John was like, yeah, this guy's going to be a defensive coordinator one day. Why don't you give him a chance in college before maybe he's a coordinator in the NFL someday? So that's how it started. From all intents and purposes, this is more for Evan. You know, he's a for, you're a formation guy. I believe we're going to be running heavy 3-4 this year. Um, they said it's multiple, but the key, I guess, is it's going to be more confusing than last year. There was serious smoke and rumors that Big Ten offenses had figured out Michigan's play calls and knew exactly what they were going to do on defense before the snap. Like, it was dead obvious. And I think, actually, we saw that exposed in the Michigan State-Michigan game where, like, you line up and you know it's man, and there's no hiding that it's man. There's no bluff. It's man. And you're just going to say, hey, Ricky Wright, run a go route. And I'm just going to loft this ball up as Rocky Lombardi, and their cornerbacks are not NFL quarterbacks, cornerbacks, and you're going to make a play. So it was pretty obvious from what I've heard. I mean, everyone on the team, even the players, are like, yeah, well, it's way harder to figure out what we're doing now. Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe they won't even know what they're doing. We'll see. Uh, I like the idea, personally, of having edge rushers that are going to be standing up. I think that's more of a modern football thing we've seen in the last decade, and Michigan has not adapted to it. I mean, if you want to go on a bigger level, like we had Quiddy Pay in like a three-point stance all year, and then he goes to the Colts and is a stand-up rusher and is dominating the preseason. Again, preseason, but it's like, why didn't we use Quiddy Pay like that when we had him? I don't know. So that's a bump in for my lead-in that the first position group is the edge rushers, obviously the most disruptors in college football. Aiden Hutchinson, so you're going to be solid for Michigan, at least with him. Like You know what you're getting as long as he stays healthy. Obviously, he was hurt last year. So if you get him healthy, he's going to be one of the best edge rushers in the Big Ten. And hopefully, he's like Mike McDonald's pet project of like, how can I line you up to get pressure on the quarterback? Behind him, it's going to be like, prove me guys. This is David Ojabo, who's going to be an upperclassman. He hasn't really proven much. Michigan didn't really have any sacks last year, like basically none. And they haven't for a couple of years, really. I mean, not like crazy numbers. 
And then you have Taylor Upshaw, who is also an upperclassman. Um, they're just kind of filling in reps behind Hutchinson and trying to get some pressure off the other side. Defensive tackle, in my opinion, could possibly be the biggest, like, what if, like, if this goes well, this could be pretty, pretty nasty because they're high recruits. Um, I believe Chris Hinton was actually a five-star recruit. You wouldn't know that because you, if you're not a Michigan fan, even if you are, you may not even really know his name because he hasn't done that much in his time at Michigan, but he was a five-star recruit out of high school and he's going to be playing defensive tackle now in the new scheme. And then you have Mozzie Smith, who was a four-star recruit. Again, you wouldn't know that. He's going to be a junior this year. And basically, if you're looking for the NFL, you need to do something in your junior year. So those two have a lot to prove. I guess they've bulked up and they're in the best shape of their lives, as everyone says, coming out of camp. So we'll see with that. And then the good news is where we transition to the back half is Michigan has their top four tacklers back from last year. It's kind of alarming who they were. Looking back, it's kind of funny. Uh, probably says a lot how their season went. It's your linebacker, Josh Ross, which, okay, you expect. And then you have two safeties in Brad Hawkins and Daxon Hill leading your team in tackles, which means they're getting seven yards up field on run plays for them to tackle them. And you have Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett is an interesting case here as we transition into linebackers. Um, maybe other fans would kind of remember him from some plays. He was, he was all right. He was a, he was a pesky player. He's not going to start this year, all intents and purposes, what we've heard out of camp. He is going to be like your dime package type linebacker safety. Cause if you remember, I'm sure you guys know and got sick of hearing it. The, the Viper, the Don Brown Viper position. That does not, that does not exist anymore. The fake position. Um, that's what Michael Barrett played. So they're like, Hey, we need you to be a linebacker inside. Can you bulk up? I mean, the kid can only do so much. He was a safety out of high school. So he lost, I believe, the starting job to Nakai Hill Green, who is a sophomore, who I guess is just blowing away people in camp. So unless the reports are wrong, you're going to have Josh Ross, who's, again, solid player on the team, very old, good tackler. And Hill Green is your two inside linebackers. And then you'll probably see a lot of Michael Barrett, but he's going to be your dime package cover guy because he can you know, play that. I think it's a good role for him, better than whatever the Viper role really was. And then we transition to the dreaded unit from last year, the unit that made you want to put a blanket over your eyeballs. Vincent Gray and Jamon Green, Jamon Green. I, I did listen to Jim Brandstatter's pronunciations of the roster, but I kind of forgot how he said his first name. Um, G-E-M-O-N, I'll call him Green. And then DJ Turner. Now, there's been some smoke that I, I like that Green and Turner are going to be the starters and Vincent Gray will be with the third corner, which I would like. Vincent Gray was a good recruit. High-rated recruit. Just it's really tough for me to forget about his performances last year against Michigan State and then at Indiana. Like, they were just really bad. Like, I mean, some of the worst cornerbacking I've ever seen in my entire life at any level of football. And so it makes me think that DJ, you just have to give DJ Turner a chance. You just have to give the younger kid a chance. So hopefully he's our second cornerback. And then you balance that out, safety position. I mean, no worries there. You got a grad fifth or sixth year guy in Brad Hawkins and you got the best defensive player on the team. In my opinion, Daxton Hill, just doing everything. He gives you a lot of flexibility where he can actually line up and cover people in a cornerback role if you need to, which is huge for flexibility on defense. And he's a, he's a solid safety. So that's the breakdown of your positions. I mean, last year though, those returners, third worst defense in the big 10, 34.5 points per game, 434.3 yards per game. What's missing from the team? Well, they ran man all day. And then they tried to run zone against Indiana. And it was clear that they never practiced zone. 
So what I've been told and what I've read is that they're going to run man and zone. What a concept. And they're going to know how to do both. And they're not just going to be like, hey, we dare you to beat us deep. They're not going to play that. So hopefully the people will understand their roles better. And then it comes down to like college football. Like you have to get more turnovers. I mean, this team forced one fumble last year, had two picks. I mean, we're just not talking about big numbers here. I know it was only six games, but still it's low. And pressure. I mean, I think our leading sack person was two sacks, Quiddy Pay, and he got hurt and didn't play the whole season anyways. So you need sacks. You need something. We'll see. I mean, it's a huge, huge test, huge question marks everywhere. I don't know. I mean, this this team is going to stop and start with the defense. We can talk about the offense all we want, but if your defense gives up 35 points a game, good luck in the Big Ten. From the uh, Michigan State perspective, I just have two brief things since you got most of that covered. Throw the deep ball. <laughs> uh, from the Michigan State perspective, I would say as a team last year that was learning to do defense, a little different with COVID and coaches getting there later and all that. Michigan's had more time to learn their defense, but I don't expect that to just be a perfect, smooth transition where everyone knows everything right away. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to that. And then secondly, the only players on Michigan's defense that as a Michigan State fan I would be worried about are Hutchinson and Daxton Hill. And And that's it. The rest of the defense is pretty unknown. Pretty average. And just not nothing scary. From your guys' perspective, too, like obviously when the years that the two Harbaugh years, I guess, or whatever, that they were solid, was it just I, – to me, it comes down to edge rushers. Because like when I think about those teams, and I guess a linebacker, like you have Devin Bush, who's a freak, and you have Winovich, and you have young Quiddy Pay. Like I think that's like – but then I guess you also had the secondary, too. So I guess it's a well-rounded attack. But I, to me, the most glaring thing they're missing is like pressure on the quarterback, which will then help out your secondary. Absolutely have to get to the quarterback to be successful on defense. Yeah. Just like the number I think one they had goal zero, goal. I think we had zero sacks against Michigan State last year. And when Michigan had those great defenses and Michigan State would play them, I wasn't more wowed by the defense, more as I was so disappointed in Michigan State's anemic offense for those years. I couldn't even like focus on Michigan's defense mm. because of how bad my team was. Anyways, Evan. those years that they were so good, I was more scared of your shutdown corners. Okay. Where if you put two guys and you're guaranteed those wide receivers are probably not going to catch a pass. I think those that stands out from everything else. You lock down two wide receivers. I think it eases off the pressure. Obviously, this is a backwards philosophy. This is what Poncho wearing dude thought of, <laughs> but Matt Patricia. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I fear. Going into a game, I fear, okay, they have Jordan Lewis shut down corner, and then you have like a comparable a secondary corner. And pass rushes, I mean, yeah, they're decent college players, but they didn't fear me. I feel like you could still win most of the battles. But like going into I mean, I think Hutchison needs to improve still. I don't think he – yeah, he's probably your best return to the end to the end, but I still think he's – that's my perspective. I think he's still a little overrated. He doesn't wow me like on games. Yeah, he might stand out against like inferior opponents, but like watching every single second of the Michigan State Michigan game, I barely noticed that he was out there. You know, that might yeah. be COVID situation, like the entire team, totally different team, but he needs to step up. He needs to be a guy that has double digit sacks if that defense wants to improve. And then I think, Grant, do you trust the new defense coordinator and call in place? And I get it, he's from the NFL and probably his experience and probably knows what he's doing, but game situations just I 
I know they're brothers and I know they probably respect each other and they trust each other. Just, I would like Harbaugh just to get a defense coordinator from like outside the box. It kind of just from the Michigan State standpoint, kind of just seemed he went to his brother and his brother just gave him a guy. Yeah. Instead of going like you're Michigan, you should have money. You should be able to pick any defensive coordinator you want from <laughs> the other 125 programs besides the major six and should have been able to show up. I well, overall, overarching, I'm going to put blind trust in Mike McDonald until he proves me wrong, just because that's the kind of fan I am. I'm more like dumbly optimistic, but I will say this like, I trust him to call the probably best place for the situation. Like, I, I think he's been around enough people that he's going to know third and long, this is what I want to do. He's not going to hesitate. What I like, what Alex foreshadowed is like, I would not be stunned if a safety or a cornerback doesn't forgets what he's supposed to do in against Western Michigan, we give up a 40 yard bomb, like because of maybe the way McDonald taught it in the off season wasn't as clear as maybe like, I'm more worried about maybe like the install wasn't as sharp, you know, in year one than like his actual in-game play calling. But yes, it's going to be nerve wracking because calling plays is a different, different beast. Um, the first time you do it, I think he's a sharp enough guy. who have an idea of what he wants to do. I more worry about like just just blatant mistakes from like they didn't understand the install as good as he thought, something like that. But hopefully they can work those out against Western, so it's not a forty point uh, performance from Washington in week two. So I guess we'll see. Anything else? No, Michigan State's defense, baby, the revival, maybe. Oh yeah. Hopefully, you guys you guys need it. They're back. Because as much as the run game was a factor in the success, the defense was more so a factor in the success. I think before we get into the defense, I'm just going to say one thing. The defense last year was, one, learning a new scheme in the midst of no practice. Obviously showed. Two, the offense, I believe there was a stat out there that Michigan State's defense – was every time they started a new drive, the opponent was like already on the 50-yard line. So they had the worst field position every single time they were taking the field, which was making it extremely difficult to uh, do anything. Now, with all that being said, they did stink, okay? But they're going to be a lot better. Evan, your turn. Okay, we should start. Defensive line, I think, is going to be the, uh, I want to say, the best group going forward, going into the beginning of the year. They have the most depth, most returning guys, the obvious where you know who's playing where there's no tricks about it it's a four-two-five defense so it's nothing really sexy about the defense line they know the responsibilities you bring in a transfer and drew jordan from duke he adds depth to the edge rushers you added a linebacker from minnesota his name's tank brown but in practice film he's been used more as a stand-up edge rusher there you go grant we have a stand-up edge rusher hopefully you have one. i love that um and it's all about generating pass rush. Like you said, we were average at best at getting pressure, um, but not good enough. So you have Ponishuk, defensive end. Ponishuk is still there. Beasley is still there. Um, Y'all have had Ponishuk like for eight years now. A while. Yeah. Well, we, had two of them. we had Mike was inside. Now you have Jacobs on the outside. It's forever. So, yes. Um, and then inside you have Hunt. You have Mallory. Um, they're probably projected to be the starters coming forward. So you have the starters there that played a lot, not worried about the defensive line. Alex, any questions about the defensive line? 
one thing quickly that was the unit that I respect slash worry about the most. So offense was wide receivers, defense was D line. Uh, I would just say just yeah, D line definitely deepest best position group on the defense, and I think Jalen Hunt could be extremely solid this year. Maybe maybe the best player on the defense. Wow, breakout player of the year. I think it's possible. I've heard a lot that he's been very impressive in camp. And if anyone's bored, go look at Deshaun Mallory's body transformation. It's wild. <laughs> it's actually that crazy. is pretty impressive. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so you should look at. It. I mean, those are all the same to me. They just every college does. That. It's actually insane. Yeah, you get on our college weightlifting program. I'll bring it up. Evan, you go into the next group. Next, um, I think this is the biggest and most obvious glaring need is the linebacker position. And Tucker even said it in the spring. We need to improve our linebackers. That's why we brought in so many transfers. Uh, spring, most of them, probably 95% of them weren't here yet. They all showed up for summer, fall camp, whatever you want to call it. Um, two returning guys, you have uh, Chase Klein, Noel Harvey. They both played almost every single game last year. Klein got a little banged up towards the end of the year. You have some experience there that been here. I don't know if they're going to start, though. Um, some other guys that are still around that just guys that you don't really hear of. There's one article out there that thinks that Cal Holiday might get playing time. No. He's an undersized linebacker, <laughs> redshirt freshman. Special teams um, hero, but no way. He, there was an article that says, look out if Cal Holiday starts day one of the two linebacker positions. And I said, there's no way because I watched this dude on special teams. No sleeves, no gloves, no wristbands, nothing. Not swagged out or anything. Running down the field and I said, I am 100% more athletic than that kid. <laughs> From my it's TV hard, though. The way that he was running was not helping himself. Okay, now we bring into the transfers. I already touched on Tank Brown. I am not going to butcher his real first name. Itavion? Sure. Feels um, right. We have Ben Van Summeren. Feels good. We stole him from Michigan. Um, he did play. It says he played in all six games at linebacker for Michigan last year. So Is that a good thing or a there. bad thing? I don't know. It's bad. He sucks. He, he played this in college. not a Van Summeren. It's not like we're bringing in some freshman. Is he going to get playing time? I don't know. But you have – he's adding depth to the linebacker position. Uh who do you want to touch on next? I don't well, want to touch on our probably the next factor um, of the defense. The best guy. No, we, our freshman that we brought in a top 100 a ESPN, a top 150 for seven sports. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say Ote. Ote. Um, that's, a, that's how you say that's it. How you pronounce it. That's no, actually right. It's just a while. I actually was going to ask you guys, like, is that guy going to play? Because I, I, I didn't realize he was a um, freshman. I got confused with his he's brother. He's getting some reps in. Your guys' ploy to get him to get his brother did not work like getting Van Summeren to get his brother. Because Correct. we got a different guy work. instead of him. Oh, so you passed on the Ote Ote? You guys didn't we he cooled was, on He him. was not a um, we cooled on he was him. not an ad. Has he is it his brother picked a spot yet? I don't think so. I think so. I think it's USC, isn't it? He went out west. He was already at USC. He was at USC. Oh, see, my brain's working, just different. I don't think things. he actually went anywhere. I I, I worry about the linebacking core sideline to sideline speed if it's Klein and Harvey again. I think you have to have. Not Klein. Well, thank God we have the guy that can run sideline to sideline. He's a transfer from Tennessee. His name is Quavarius Crouch. 
6'2 linebacker, was all over the field for Tennessee, starting 11 games for the Volunteers between 2019 and last year. Um, Four-star was He started at running back and then moved over to linebacker at Tennessee. Finished last year with 57 tackles, two tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles, and one single pass breakup. Um, his highlight of the year was 11 career, ta- career high tackles against Texas a and um, He's a guy with speed and where we lack speed, especially in a 4-2-5 system that we're running. You need a linebacker that can run sideline to sideline. You can't have bags of bricks laying in the middle like we did last year. He adds the glaring need that we was lost last year. He's the expert. He should start over. He should start over Harvey and Klein. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Crouch and Harvey. Harvey probably knows the system a little bit better. If you let Crouch just run over the field, find ball, hit ball. Um, and Klein, he's a lost guy. He's more of a, uh, to me, he's more of a stand up edge rusher. That's what he should be. Crouch and some other transfers that we can touch on in the secondary, it could be more respectable. But like I said, if it's Harvey and Klein run sideline to sideline, good luck. No. I mean, that's just a lot of lead feet. Alex, you have anything on our linebacker course? Uh, I think it'll be Harvey and Crouch. The word in camp, Jalen Ayler said that uh, Crouch, you know, those little tracker things they wear that look like bras. Yeah. Tracks their speed. They said Crouch was the fastest one in practice, like every day, hitting like 22 miles per hour, full sprint, which seems ridiculously fast. You guys hope he's like preseason Lions Derek Barnes and not Lions Jared Davis. That would be like the goal. Right. Like fast, but like understand the game of football. From what I've seen, he's it's going to take him longer to understand everything. So that's why I think it'll be Harvey and Crouch. Harvey is like, the smarts, you know, he's got all that stuff figured out. He knows all the checkdowns and whatever else he's got to do. I don't think it's called checkdowns at the linebacker. That's that's on me. But those two will, uh, those will be the guys. Assuming both are healthy all year, and then you have a lot more depth than you did last year with Van Summer and Klein. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Halliday. Van Summer can get fullback carries. Halliday apparently fumble. hits hard. You know, I think he could. Make a difference on special teams. At least give them a shout out. We don't need special teams preview. And the uh, secondary? I think it'll be it'll be all right. You want to kick off the secondary? Secondary. I'll leave this one. I think it'll be uh, improved. And it was wasn't terrible last year. It shout out Shakur for that because of Shakur Brown, who just got cut by the Steelers. Tough, oh. tough to see, but. I think they'll be improved. Transfers Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough. And Kalen Gervin, I assume, are going to be the three guys. Can I read this one, these two sentences from this preview? Shout out College Football News. They have sneaky good previews. I don't think anyone reads, but I found them. Yeah. Shakur Brown came up with five picks last year. The rest of the Michigan State Spartans camp came up with as many interceptions as you did. (laughs) That's just funny to read. But that's what they got the transfers, who I'm actually kind of worried about. Ronald Williams, from what I read, got injured. Uh, he was running with the ones at Alabama last year, got injured in practice okay. while covering Devontae Smith. Oh, you meant got injured at Michigan State. No, he's healthy, I believe, hopefully. And so he was running with the ones at Alabama, got injured, kind of fell behind, couldn't get back into it, hence the transfer. So that is a great sign if that kid was good enough. You could to play give me Alabama. any kid from Alabama, like their walk on, like, yep, Alabama, that's a boost to the program. Yeah. So I expect him to be pretty solid. 
Chester Kimbrough, I heard, is probably going to run at nickel cornerback, not a true outside corner. What? And then they're going to leave Kalen Gervin as the other outside corner, who's been up and down, I think, through his career. He was a high recruit, picked us over Notre Dame. It was a big deal at the time. He he should be, hopefully, takes the step and improves. And then in the back, you have uh, Xavier Henderson, who's rock solid tackles. Could be a little better in coverage, but... He's a hard-hitting safety. And Angelo Gross is moved to safety now. Who played, He played corner last year as a freshman. Was a decent hey, nickel corner, corner, linebacker, viper, whatever you want to call it. Not viper. Do not put those words in our mouth. Uh, ben Van Summer's your viper. He has moved to safety. They call him Sugar Weasel, like uh, the Kinky. Honey Badger. That was where that kind of came from. <laughs> Look, if I'm Mel Tucker, and who's your defensive coordinator's name? Scotty Hazelton. Hazelton, just play the SEC dogs. Don't f- around with Galen Gervin. Like, let's just play the SEC boys and let them ride. He Chester, is. starting outside. Ronald, back him up. Xavier, girls, let's go to work. Kari, yeah, that's probably what it's going to be. Kari, Crump, and Gervin, just run a get water. Five. Yeah, I guess. You've got five corners or five DBs on the field at all times. Even on, like, first down? A lot. Damn. Maybe I can see why we got tricked into trying to beat you guys in a phone booth. Too bad we didn't have the offensive line to do it. Because <laughs> when you have five secondary guys, that's where you're most vulnerable, I guess. I think the defense will be improved. But Joe Milton didn't know who Antoine Simmons, why. Simmons was, so that's probably why. He that's coach. He, he realized he couldn't run up the middle. Did he watch film? No, that's just Joe Milton thinking he's cooler than it is. He definitely knew who he was. He just tried to be, like, tough. Right. Good, but he's not. But he's starting at Tennessee, so now I know who I'm rooting against this year. The Volunteers. Evan, you didn't get to talk about the DBs if you wanted to. DBs, Evan? Um, Ryan Williams, I think, will be stud. Um, Some guy that will just obviously will stand out on film, like all the, like, probably not diehard Michigan State fans, but, you know, the casual Michigan State fans that just, like, watch the games. You'll be like, oh, who is this kid? Where did we come from? No, he's a star that came from Alabama. That's where we got him. Um, Obviously, (laughs) you know, Kimbrough. Um, I don't mind him in the nickel. I kind of would like to see him on the outside, but you know, you have Gervin there. He's been in the system for multiple years. Don't hate that. You, then, like Alex, you said, you have, you know, you have return, returning production. Henderson started for four years. Rose looked promising as a freshman last year. Sugar Weasel. And then Dowell. <laughs> I will never, ever, ever call him Sugar Weasel. If he's in a Heisman race like Tyron Matthew, you'll call him Sugar Weasel. Not, I'm not predicting that, Grant, so don't, don't clip that. If he's in the Heisman race, um, I'm just Dowell. saying he would call him that in that scenario. Oh, Michael Dowell. So obviously, with the transfers, this Ooh, secondary should be better, and I'm expecting it to be better. It helps when you have a solid defensive line. So I'm looking forward to just actually watching Ronald Williams a lot. I think when you talk about just like the when you watch the game and you just notice a guy, that reminds me exactly of when Butler once got a Duke former Duke commit transfer. Uh, Jordan Tucker, and I just saw him the first game and go, oh, this guy just moves differently. He definitely was recruited by Duke, and I can tell. And I think he'll feel that way about Ronald Williams. Like he'll, really he'll probably hit a running back, like, not late out of bounds, but, like, on the sideline, and we'll just knock his block off. and like, oh, my gosh, that guy came from Alabama. Yeah, I'm super pumped to see. Or, you know, hopefully he doesn't think he's better than, you know, the Big Ten and doesn't be late. He went Juco first. He's humble. You don't know that. You never talked to him. I assume if he went to, he's a little humble. All right. Well, look at us just diving into the each side of the ball. Um, I'm going to punt on special teams. You guys have had the same kicker for a decade, so I think Wish everyone knows what to expect there. 
Um, now we have our week one matchups, and mine will be pretty. <laughs> mine will be pretty quick because I mean, it shouldn't be that. Watch out much for my dad's and mother's alma mater. They are public. Go public enemy number one this week is Alex's parents. Just kidding, because they're not. In your face, Western. Go Broncos, they're, not in your, baby. they're not in your face, Western Michigan fans. I don't think Western Michigan has fans like that, except for the PJ Fleck year. I also want to play a game throughout the year that I'll introduce where Evan guesses who's going to be announcing each game. Because if you've noticed anything about this podcast, Evan loves like the details of the game, like the start time, the the channel, the you know mm, who could be announcing. You're, so you're going to Michigan State's game. I will lay it out there. Is it's Michigan versus Western Michigan noon on Saturday, ESPN. The spread is minus 17 Michigan over under 67, which feels ridiculously high. Um, but we're not a gambling podcast. Uh, mint money if you want to listen to them. Give your gambling lines. But Evan, who's announcing this game? Just give your guess. And we'll keep track of how many are right. Is it already up there? No. Like, I, I don't, don't, we don't know? No, this is, we're not looking it up. I don't know. We'll just, on game day, you'll be like, Evan said that name. I'm trying to think of the... Uh, are there any other big games on ESPN besides... The Clemson Georgia game. There's probably a three thirty game. Definitely. I I feel like they're going to stick like Brian Greasy on this game. No, I think the worst the worst ESPN crew. Oh, I'm, I'm going like, to say Bob Shusen and Dan Orlowski. Oh, I oh, I agree with that. Oh, Dan does a. I think Orlowski's first game. But Dan Orlowski's fantastic analyst. He should be in the booth on Monday Night Football. But he absolutely perfect college analyst. Has he done? Does he? I don't think he's done a game yet. Has he? Did he do him last Dan year? Lowski? Yes, he did the he did, he's been doing the last two years. Oh. Where that's, have I been? That's on me. All right, so with shoes and Orlowski, that's Evans. The guess. miserable Iowa game last year, Michigan State Iowa game. He was trying to break down Lockheed Lombardi film and it was not. He probably felt bad for us. <laughs> well, a little bio blast on your your uh, Broncos for Michigan fans. You should be I'll give you some scary stats. Nervous. Some scary stats and then some reassuring. Obviously, with the spread, you're supposed to win this game, but it's not over three touchdowns, which means that leaves the door open where it could be tight at some point in this game. Western Michigan had the 16th offense, not in their conference, because it's not 16 teams, in the nation last year. 480 yards a game, 42 points a game, ninth in the country. Now, they lost their best. Scary stats are out. They lost Dwayne Eskridge, an NFL player, and they lost Jalen Moore, their uh, NFL offensive linemen. So two draftees out of Western Michigan. That's they churn out two more than Michigan guys. State had uh, last year, I believe. So shout out the Broncos for that. That's just that's not a chop. That's just unbiased. That's that felt like a ginormous chop. Um, it felt like a ginormous chop. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, but they're returning four of those offensive linemen who are supposed to be solid. Um, and they're returning a lot of skill guys and they'll have the same quarterback from what I'm reading. So really, this is more of a massive test for the McDonald's defense. I think the offense should be – they can get away with playing that foam booth football if they want because um, Western's defense was not great last year and probably not going to be great this year. Would I be surprised if this was like a two-score game, 10-point 10, 10 game in the third quarter? No, probably, probably will be. But like you just hope you see enough where they distance the gap from Michigan and pull out a win. I mean, there's really not much I can – get jazzed about in this game. It's a game you're supposed to win and hopefully you don't have another uh, Toledo Rockets fiasco on your hand. Maybe one kind of thing we can do throughout the year is like if you lose it is I want to do this thing personally because I know people say like must win gets thrown around a lot. I don't think it gets thrown around enough. I'm willing to say this is a must win game for Michigan football. If you lose this game, Jim Harbaugh fired the next day. Hey, we have to make predictions. What's your prediction? 
We didn't just come here to not pick the game. So individual games, you want to do like individual like Every week score? We're, we're picking the games and score. Well, yeah. the predictions for the thing were like just full season quickly what the record's going to be. No, I'm telling you, okay. not on the show sheet, pick the game, Michigan, Western Michigan, and a score. I think Michigan will win 45 to 21. I see three touchdowns for sure, a blown passing touchdown, um, but 40, 45 points. See our kicker a little bit, probably run it down their throats. Feels right. Should get to 40 points against Western. Jeez. No offense. Do you want us to say anything? Yeah, you guys should you guys should give your prediction. I think Western's quarterback is solid from the one game I watched last year. He was very good in that game. Caleb Ellaby, 65% on passes, 18 touchdowns, two picks. My dad, a Western Michigan alum, says that he is rock solid at quarterback and very good. And watch out. With that being said, I don't think Western's defense is going to be able to do a whole lot. I think Western will score the ball. I think it'll be high scoring. 38-24. A little closer than you'd want, but Michigan wins. I mean, that's only like um, seven points off of Pierce. Yeah, <laughs> if Western can weather the storm to keep it close at halftime, I think they'll have a good shot just to stay in it. Um but, you know, it's kind of do-or-die season for the coaching staff. So I got Michigan winning still. The spread was, what, 17? Ooh, yikes. Um, I got, ooh, 38-21. He's going right on. Push, push. Yep. I, I just, my only hope is I hope it's good enough of a game where we get to see some serious J.J. McCarthy action and some more Dobbin Edwards run because I need them. I need to see what they look like. I don't feel a blowout What's a blowout? Let's establish that before we get into college football season. To me, 21 and a more is a safe, comfortable blowout. Two touchdowns is a blowout. Two touchdowns, a lot can change quickly. I guess it's like if the touchdown's late, then it's not. But if it's like two touchdowns throughout the fourth quarter, that's a blowout. You're in control. Yeah, no, I, I was not on that. 17 at any point feels like a blowout. Feels insurmountable. Okay. Well, that's just not true. But... So, you know you know when you feel. Are we going to Michigan State's game and then the whole season preview? Yeah. Yeah, so now we have Michigan State versus the Northwestern Wildcats. Your bio blast on this game. Didn't write it down because I got carried away, but I know it. It's 9.15 p.m. actually. Read that today in a tweet. ESPN. On ESPN. Um, everyone's and favorite I want to announcer. caution all the kids at Michigan State. It's Labor Day weekend. Classes are going to be wrapping up Friday. You're going to want to get really drunk. Friday beers start a trend. Do not forget the game is Friday night. You don't want to be the guy that wakes up hungover on Saturday morning. You're like, missed the whole game. Can't wait to watch Mel Tucker, Tuck coming. Oh, wait, we played last night. Don't the bars are going to be packed. Set an alarm, please, for the game so you don't miss it. Uh, Evan, who's going to be on the call for this game? And maybe I actually know the answer. You have some personal information of where you're going to be for this game. I do know I the answer. I do know who's on the call for it because I was watching the UCLA game. Dang. I am 100% like Alex said, so glad I'm actually going to be in the stands. I will be live from Evanston, shot Michigan Sports. We'll be represented in Chicago. Um, will you give the people uh, shout some out, clips? Some Instagram shout vids? Drew, Hunter, and Cody. Instagram <laughs> stories, something. Yeah, I will try. I'm mean, gonna I actually have to like log in to show you. Yeah, we'll actually need to go on to the accounts. That'd be a good start. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna actually have to do that. So who's announcing? Beth Mullins. Oh. Uh, Cat's out the back. Her, Beth uh, Mullins. A nine PM primetime 
Only game on. Basketball. Well, Alex, it's high school football night. You guys are playing in the high school football slot, so that makes sense. You don't even mean that. No, I do. Evan, I mean, Evan can't even disagree. The fr- everyone, I think I've heard Evan say it before. Friday night is the high school. It does slot. stink to be on Friday night. It's not cool. And guess what? I, I brought this just because I knew you guys would chop me. That statement is coming from an unbiased national college football reporter. college football reporter. Just kind of had to have that in the back pocket. Regardless, having Beth Mullins, no disrespect to Beth. And when I talk about this game, I'm it's tough to listen to her because we get her every single time we play on ESPN at noon. It's her every time, and it's just it's unbearable. You just don't like her voice. It's just I'm not going into it. No, I don't like her voice. She doesn't get excited enough. She makes my hangovers worse. She just there, makes I said it. the game boring. <laughs> like I just feel like the game doesn't matter when she's calling it. That's yeah, well, you wake up hungover on a Saturday and she's on, it makes it worse. You're just like, eh, I need some excitement. And the uh, the color guy is the guy that like breaks down the game, right? Colored guy yes. or girl. I don't even know who it Colored is. I didn't, Dusty Dorvacek. I didn't recognize Dusty the Dusty Dorvacek. I didn't even know. Well, this, this sucks. All right, let's break this puppy down. What do we need to know about the Northwestern Wildcats? They're starting they running back today was out doing for the season. Deep dive into it, and I am so glad that Northwestern named their starting quarterback is Hunter Johnson, Andrew Maxwell 2.0. He is a five-star prospect from Clemson. He's been there for multiple years, knows the system. Whoa. However, in the games that he started two years ago, he was garbage. Terrible. He was borderline terrible. You watched the Stanford game; he was miserable to watch. And they did get a transfer. They got. Uh, Holinsky from South Carolina. Yes. So, like a good quarterback to play in the SEC, I expect him to play. Is it going to start? Side note: South Carolina, I saw today, is starting a grad, grad assistant and found out he had eligibility. Yeah, it's crazy because no. Helsinki's at Northwestern. Look at this full circle. Well, I think their starter got injured. But that's different. No, Alex, I know, but if Helsinki had stayed, they'd have more depth. Just don't ruin a good whatever. Player, okay? Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Evan. Continue. He throws 90-mile-an-hour fastballs at his receivers, and they can't catch him because he's throwing it so hard from five yards away. The Helsinki kid? The Johnson kid. The Clemson kid. Oh, okay. Got it. That's why I said Andrew Maxwell 2.0. I've seen it. Yes. He's very similar. Okay. It's not what you would like to see it. Um, I think a night game benefits us. I, it's better than a noon game in Chicago. Facts. Um, 11 a.m. Night, I think Tucker's going to get the boys up. I think if you're fired up, if you're a new Michigan State fan, you're going to see a bunch of new faces in new places. You're not going to know what's going on. Um, <laughs> you're going to be drunk. You're not going to know who's you're on You're going to be team. bullets. <laughs> yes, you, you absolutely. Um, but I do like our chances. You know, we upset them last year at home, kind of in a funky season. Um, but Northwestern's always a team that gives us fits for some reason. Because of Coach Fitz, man, I just roll right into That it. was sweet. <laughs> um, I respect the guy. Do I like him as that coach? No. But um, I do like Michigan State's chances. You know, Russo hopefully plays well. Hopefully we get the run game going. Whoa. Spoilers. And we don't know who the quarterback is. We already predicted that we think it's going to be Russo. We'll we know see. Northwestern lost two NFL guys, right? A great corner. There, I read a stat. The guy we wanted to draft, but we got Panay because he fell. I read a stat that they are the most Slater never played last year, so it's like me. Good point. That's why we – yes, that's what we balance each other out. Perfect. Most inexperienced team in college football. That's why I read. That feels fake. That's why I read today. <laughs> of anyone. Well, yeah. Like Northwestern. Most inexperienced <laughs> team in college football. 
Only five stars are back on defense. Total. Love to hear that. I'm not going to read any names because no one knows these guys' names. Craig Newsom was a first-round corner. Well, no, guys that are back. Like, no one knows who's back. No. I don't care. I don't know. I do not. It's going to be a 70% Michigan State crowd at Northwestern, I think. Michigan State in Chicago, it's like the all the Spartans go there to start their careers. So I think it's going to be more Michigan State fans than Northwestern fans. There always are, like, way more Michigan State fans than that game. I guess Andrew Clare uh, transferred from Bowling Green. He had 2,000 yards with 13 scores over the last four years. So now he's the main guy there. I don't love a Bowling Green transfer being the guy. This is setting up for Michigan the State. The main win. guy for Northwestern, the starting running back, is out for the season. As of like three days ago. Eddie Fisher's gone too. Cam Porter was probably yes. around the fourth. So now game. it's Andrew Clare. And uh, and they had other injuries. I can tell you that Drake Anderson guy, is he still there? Is he stunk? I don't think so. No, he left for Arizona. Oh, well, that's good for that. I believe this yeah. is a three point spread. Northwestern is favored, despite all the what we said, and I believe it's a 45-point over-under, so it's supposed to be a classic Big Ten affair. I mean, that's even less than what the Nebraska-Illinois game over-under was. So I can kick us off. This one kind of breaks my brain for prediction-wise because, in my mind, it's a revenge game for Fitzgerald. He'll have the guys fired up, like remember what they did to us last year, even though they still made the Big Ten championship game. It didn't really matter in the long run. But you, whenever you lose to Rocky Lombardi, I can speak to that firsthand. It leaves a terrible taste in your mouth. And you want to call up in a cocoon and go to sleep for a couple of years. Um, so they're going to be fired up. Equally as Michigan State's going to be fired up for basically the first game with fans under Mel Tucker. I mean, everyone's going to be fired up because fans are back. Evan's going to be there with a shirt off, so they're really going to be fired up. I'm going to be super Jacked. Everything I know about college football tells me this is a like let down Michigan State Northwestern at home wins it. But man, is there something that I'm just like I don't think they have talent. Like I can't pick a team that I don't think has talent. And this is probably just because I like am friends with you guys. We do this podcast that I know more about Michigan State, so maybe I believe they have more talent. But like objectively, I just read these articles and I look at the injuries, and it doesn't seem like Northwestern just even has any firepower. And Fitzgerald usually does like a yo-yo thing where like he's really good, then it's a down year, then can be really good again. So this feels like a natural down year. Three-point spread. I mean, I'm thinking like 20 to 17 Michigan State. Yeah. It's a good pick. Probably too low for today's college football, but 2017 Michigan State. I would say that uh, Northwestern, like you mentioned, the yo-yo effect – they're like known for having a terrible season after an incredible season. They just like go up and down. Up yeah, and down Fitzgerald's one hundred and six and eighty one. So that kind of up, down, he's up, better down, than up down better than five hundred. But like they do go up down, and they're very inexperienced. For for some reason, I so I guess I should back up. Michigan State Rutgers last year. I was extremely overly confident. Had no reason to be. Michigan State turns the ball over thirty eight times and. Loses to Rutgers. Okay. However, even though I made that mistake last year, I feel very good about this game. I don't think Northwestern can score. I think Michigan State is going to be able to score pretty easily. I don't know why. Whoa. Just that's what I feel. Let's not get carried away. I actually think Michigan State wins easily. <laughs> I think they win like 30, 35-14. I don't know. I just feel it. I just feel like a beat down in Evanston to start the year and create a lot of false hope. I'll preface all that with saying I think Northwestern's not going to be very good. This Dude, year. wow. 
I don't know. Just in my gut. That would knock my shorts off if they won 35-14. In my gut. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, you hope it You made a good prediction. It's that's why it's called your prediction. Um, Grant, we were talking. Well, Grant's you know highlighted the game, reminding me of what Michigan State has been doing with all the new guys. We have nothing on tape from Northwestern to see. They are trying to follow Temple tape. I think Pat Fitzgerald's even a little upset based off of his uh, recent press conference. Mel Tucker said he's doing it 100% to benefit our team in Michigan State. He doesn't have to give anything out that he doesn't basically. To benefit Northwestern. So he's keeping it all in house. I think that's going to benefit us. Um, I do think it's going to be a closer game than Alex thinks. Fair. I do have Michigan State winning just because of all the people at Northwestern has coming back. I like our athletes more than their athletes. So I say Michigan State's going to win 28 to 21. Do we think it's all fair to say we'll not be in the, none of us will be surprised if Michigan State loses? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Despite I, I would my, be a little surprised. Despite my slap. I, 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 I don't know if I'll be surprised. I'd be upset. I, I would be that. super disappointed. However. But I like this. It, since the end of last year, and we look forward to the schedule, I've always seen that we can beat Northwestern. So I'm a little surprised if we do lose. I don't know if this is like a teaser for the full year, but like you guys are a little, seems a little more common. I would not even be surprised if like Michigan lost to Western. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if because I've seen him lose to Appalachian State and I saw how bad last year was. Like, I would just be like, yep, that's the end of the Harbaugh era officially. Like, we're done. Like, clean our hands week one. I think both teams could lose. I don't think either team loses. That's as simple as I'll get. Interesting. So, I guess good reason to watch the games because nothing's for certain in college football. Unless you're Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Oklahoma. And then you're going to be in the mix. Yep. Um, okay, so that's a little tease for the college football, the last thing. Also, as a, as a podcast here, so we don't no feel lines. too rushed. I think we're just going to scrap lines, and then we'll just do our top 10. We'll just do the full top 10 before the season starts. I think that works best. So we'll just close with college football. No points. I, I was going to say that a while ago. Um, so now, big picture. We don't really have to go game by game. You can highlight what games you think are turning point games. Uh, for each team, we'll give our so we did our game prediction. We'll do the record prediction since you kind of have to. I mean, we make every guest that comes on here give a prediction for something, so we have to put our reputation out there. For me, I mean, there's the there's that clip. I almost brought it back up. Uh, I just didn't want to do it to myself. Uh, I don't. Know, I was in the winter time when the schedule was released, and I found out we played Wisconsin six years in a row, and I was really mad, and I'm still really mad. And honestly, the only thing in life, one of the top five things in life, is I want to interview someone from the Big Ten that does scheduling and ask them how that even happens. Like, I just need to know how you play a team from the West six years in a row. Doesn't make any sense. It's not how the conferences were designed to be. Besides that, in that clip, I said that I see 10 wins on the schedule and maybe even 11. I don't think I'm that com- as confident uh, as I was back then. But I will say, not that far off. Wow. So just looking at it, no way. No we can talk about must wins. Western's a must win. I think they win. Aren't all games must wins at this point in, in the Harbaugh era? No. I mean, that's a good topic. No one really knows. I, they said there's no magic number for what wins he has to get to this year. It's just kind of like, you know it when you see it feel when it's over. So for the, What I should say is like this year is kind of a win-win for me as a fan. I mean, I'm going to build myself up where I'm going to be hurt again and like let down. Like I sent that funny uh, meme of someone made of Michael Scott in the office. Like that's going to be me. But I decided just in the trust tree here so everyone knows, after the Indiana game last year, 
going into it, so that was one week after the Michigan State loss. I said, if, if Michigan does not bounce back and they lose to Indiana, a team we haven't lost to in like 20 plus years, then I want Harbaugh fired. They lost. I was like, all right, I'm good with this guy being gone at the end of the season. Now they kept him, so he's he's my coach of my team. So I have to, I don't have to support him, but I'm the guy. I will. I obviously want them to do well. But let's just say it doesn't go well, and he gets they move on. Then win win because I was already mentally prepared for that. And if you look at the 2022 season, Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle would have had a pretty pretty easy schedule in their first year at Michigan in 2022. If that does happen, I'm not going to wish that upon anyone. I'm talking about people's jobs here, yeah, and Luke Fickle. People forget Bo Schembechler was an Ohio State guy before he came to Michigan. So maybe Luke. Still cheering for good old-fashioned Coach Bo. We're sure not cheering that? for him. I'm just saying a fact that he was an Ohio State guy before he came to Michigan. So Luke. Crazy. The, the, what? That he was? No, this picture of Deshaun. Oh, that transformation. We're a deep cut. Yeah, he just got jacked. Anyways, Western must win. I think they will win. Washington, I mean, that's a must win. I mean, people be like, oh, you could lose it. You know, a non-conference game. It's not Big Ten. I think you have to win that game because I think if you don't, then everyone's going to be disappointed and, like, not as excited for the season. I do think they can pull that game out. I'll, I'll put that as a win for now. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a close game. But I've never seen them lose. Oh, they lost to Wisconsin last year. I've never lost and seen them lose, like, an ESPN night game with, like, full fans where it, like, started at 8 p.m. It was the ESPN game. So I'm going to factor that in. Michigan State, Michigan. It wasn't a night game. Yeah, it was. I was there. The monsoon game? Yep. Started at uh, 7 o'clock. Not 8 p.m., though. It was uh, never seen them lose college a- game day, <laughs> ABC. I've never what seen else them- do you need? I've never seen them lose an 8 p.m. kickoff at the big house. Because 8 p.m. kickoff. No, you're right. They lost the game. I forgot about that one. I thought you were talking about the kick six game that just turned dark at night. No, I but was there too. If you think about the Notre Dame games, they beat Wisconsin at night once, I believe. Or maybe that game just ended at night. They You're usually home game specifically. Yeah, they usually have good success at home. They did lose in that game that you were at. You were right. But overall, they typically win those games. Um, so I think that does factor in. And Washington's going to fly across the country. Not going to know what hit them. We win that. Northern Illinois, Rocky Lombardi revenge game, although I don't think Rocky's starting. Yes. He is. Well, winning that game, blowing out that game for what happened last year. My dad will be at that game. Nice. Supporting Rocky. Why? Work. Okay. (laughs) Just had to ask. Rutgers is a win. Wisconsin's, got to say loss. They got to prove it to me. That's a loss at Camp Randall, especially as the icing on top. I think we're two and three against them in the Harbaugh era. Like I said, we play them every single year. You'd think they're in the East. They're not. They're in the West. We get them every year. Uh, Two and three, probably going to be two and four. That would be a stunner. If they won that one, I'd be fully drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll tell you that. If we're five and all after that game, Kool-Aid is being drank. At Nebraska, was a little worried about this game going into the year, but then I saw how week zero went. Scott Frost is a joke. He gets fired after that game. If we lose that game, Jim Harbaugh gets fired after that game. That is a fire off. That is a for-your-job game. Northwestern beat them. We just talked about the talent. Michigan State, I hate to do it to you guys. I think that's a win. We've had success in Spartan Stadium uh, under Harbaugh. I don't know why. We play better there. I think, again, the rivalry is just – I mean, it's going to be a tight game. I've learned at this point in my life, the game's going to be close. Maybe like once out of every five, it could potentially be – a multiple score game. It's going to be a tight game. We know it. I think they pull it out just because of the balance of the rivalry and how last year went. Indiana, this is one where I should say they lose. But again, like just thinking about history, we've lost against Indiana. It was last year once in like 20 plus years. They do have their great receiver and great quarterback back. So it's going to be a shootout. 
I'm hoping their defense is not as good as last year. It's at home. I'm going to chalk that up as a win. That could be could go either way, though. But I'm going to take the win. Now, Penn State, I really want to beat these guys. We've been pretty even with them since Harbaugh came to Michigan. It's very back and forth. We always lose at. We always lose at Beaver Stadium. That is a confirmed whiteout game. So, kind of. I don't want to be – I know I'm like you. Auburn's the full stadium whiteout. Penn State's the student section whiteout. So, it won't be full whiteout. I did read that uh, at Penn State. Now, they might. They, it's going to be at night. The old it's pe- going to be white. The old people that go that aren't student section might be like, oh, let's all wear white. But Auburn is their scheduled everyone wear whiteout Fine. game, which will be a sweet game. Um, I think we lose, but I don't like, I mean, Penn State was 0-5 last year until they played us and we were tied with them through one quarter with Cade. Let's get nuts. They win that game at Maryland. That's a win. Ohio State that Maryland could be sneaky though. That could be a letdown spot. Could easily lose that after you shock Penn State on the road. Ohio State loss. So 10 and two. Yeah. That feels way too high. Um, so obviously we know they're probably going to drop one of those games. So they'll be. Likely nine and three, and I do actually think they can get to ten wins with winning the bowl game if they actually show up in the bowl game, which they usually don't. So I, I guess I'll say ten and three. I'm gonna go really fast. I'll say ten and three. Western win, Washington win, Northern Illinois win, Rutgers win. Four and zero. Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my god, Michigan's so good." No, do it every year, just like Minnesota last year. Then Wisconsin loss. Nebraska win. They're a dumpster fire. Northwestern no talent. Win. Michigan State at Michigan State loss. You have to say loss. You Indiana Penn State. You lose one of those games. I don't know which one. You're losing one of them. That's probably true. That's probably nine and three happens. Maryland you win. Ohio State you lose. I think you go. I think eight and four. And then potentially nine and four. I don't. Like I don't love predicting bowl games. I don't know. You don't. But know it feels good to get that extra win in. Eight and four. Hmm. I got Michigan going six and six. God, that could a, easily see six. That's and a six fireable well. offense. So we're out. Harbaugh's out. Are the games, but you should probably know what games. It's all the big ones: Washington, Wisconsin, Michigan yep. State, Indiana, Penn State, yep. Ohio State. Yep, yep. So every big game that yeah, you're done. Harbaugh's done. I mean, it just you you go to Michigan State and you turn around. You have to play Indiana at home. They have two of the studs. Okay, and then you have to travel after you just either beat or lost in the game. You have to go at Penn State, always tough to play. And then Ohio State, you, you can't compete with them right now. So Harbaugh's job revolves around October 30th through November 13th. If he loses on October Absolutely. 30th, I think he should be done. Oh, I agree. If, if Evan's situation happens and you've already lost to Washington and Wisconsin and you lose to Michigan State, you're fired the next day. But they probably won't fire him. It might just be a step down. To Michigan State? I don't think they would fire him because who on the staff is like capable of. I don't think they'll care about the season after that. At that point, I mean, you're right, Evan. Like they'll let him finish the season, but I'm just saying. And again, I already said I was cool with him being gone after the Indiana game last year because the Michigan State game was the worst like coaching job I've probably ever seen. Again, like I said, win-win for me, baby, because I really don't care. Like I would like them to win; it's more fun. But if it goes bad, then that's another cycle of like hope, you know. I do, before we go to Michigan State, last thing, very quick. I was like, how many schools, because what they've done is pretty dramatic. Like, what, how many schools just fire everyone but the head coach and think, like, that's going to solve everything? Especially, like, known schools. There's only one school that comes to mind, and this is just, like, if you want to be an irrational Michigan fan. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying there's a blueprint for this happening. 
2016, Notre Dame football won four games. Brian Kelly stayed. We beat him. You guys did. Yeah, we we did. went three and nine. 36 to 28, <laughs> September 17th. You, you guys were number 12. Yeah, they won five games that year. They beat Nevada, Syracuse, Miami, Florida, and Army. That's four. Yeah, sorry, four games. You're right. I think I said four the first and five. Four games. They fired every single person basically on their staff and kept Brian Kelly. And in their next season, they went 10 and three. So, and they've been good yeah. since. So, and they've been better than Michigan, obviously, since with making, now we can argue that they don't play in a real conference. They play a cookie cutter schedule. Everyone says their schedule's tough, they can, but they play like Pac-12 teams. I mean, get out of my face with that. Uh, and like NC State, like number 14 NC State's not like- Speaking a, of playing Pac-12 team. Oh, if Michigan loses to them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it's like embarrassing. But what I'm saying is they went 10-3 and three and they've had a playoff success since. I'm saying it's happened. It's It's crazy to like- Fire everyone except the head coach and think it'll work. But it's happened. It could happen. What's wild about that stat about Notre Dame? Mm-hmm. Michigan State went three and nine the year Notre Dame won four games. And then Michigan State went ten and three the next year, and so did Notre Dame. So Okay. Maybe Michigan State's just on Notre Dame's path. And you can call me a loser, but I've already like I acknowledge that last year happened, but I'm not holding that against Michigan going into this year. It's a weird year. Stupid year. Sucked. To Michigan State. Everyone can agree COVID sucked. Agreed. It did stink. To Michigan State. To Michigan State. I think – you want me to go first or you, Evan? Go ahead. I kind of already know your predictions. You already know mine, sort of, because we text every year. But they change. Before fluidly. the start of the season and see who, who picks what. <laughs> I remember the years when we would predict 12-0 and 0 and we were almost close, like 11-1, multiple times. Anyways, Northwestern, I already predicted that. That's a win. Youngstown State at home. First home game in Spartan Stadium and with fans in a long time. Big win. Then the boys travel to Miami. All of us. Well, hopefully Granite. Shot of Michigan Sports will be live. Don't see it getting done there. I don't see, by the way, any of these. Youngstown State is a must-win game. You can't lose to an FCS opponent. Yeah. Youngstown State, uh, shout out Butler. Best, biggest upset with Alex T's. Biggest upset in college football history. Some people said it's even bigger than Michigan Appalachian State because Youngstown is like the cream of the crop. Were. Well, like they a were top one and six. They're six. like a top 25 FCS type team. Like not as good as North Dakota State, but very good. And Butler doesn't even give scholarships out for football. And we went to Youngstown State and beat them. Shout Bo out. Bo Pelini. Shout out. Yeah, beat Bo Pelini. Shout out Pace Temple and the boys. Game winning field goal. Go watch the YouTube highlights. It's very electric. Yes. You should. You should beat the Penguins is what yeah. I'm saying. So Michigan State beats them. They lose to Miami. Nebraska at home. I was worried, like Grant said. No longer worried. I think that's a win. Western Kentucky at night, homecoming. They're good. They have a good offense. They brought in a bunch of transfers from the, a super high-powered Houston Baptist offense. Like I'm nervous about that game for you guys. It's homecoming. It's a night game. Black uniforms. It's, it's a win. <laughs> Rutgers revenge game. Win. Indiana. I think they dropped that game at Indiana. Uh, Michigan, I've already said, yeah. I think they're going to win that game. No comment about it. Purdue, I think they win that game. And Maryland, I think they win that game. So I think with two games left in the season, Michigan State in November is technically competing for the Big Ten East because of how the schedule lines up. They then go to Ohio State on November 20th and get absolutely murdered. And then they finish with Penn State at home, senior day. Something tells me they're not going to win that game. I think they lose that game. I think that puts them at 
seven and eight and four, seven and five, somewhere around there. Eight and four. My turn. Wow. Good for you. Northwestern win, obviously. Youngstown win. <laughs> uh, Miami is an L. Um, they're too talented. Derrick King would probably be more healthy at that point. Uh, Nebraska win. West Kentucky win. Rutgers gives me a little scares because of we lost a little last year, but I don't think we'll turn over the ball seven times. I have a win there. Indiana, uh, they're getting better. I hate their head coach. I think he's terrible, but um, they got two studs. Uh, that's a loss. We beat Michigan, and then the Purdue and Maryland, you know, getting later in the season, you don't know who's on the roster. I think we lose one of those games. I'm going to say Purdue for our sakes right now. Purdue's, they're not terrible. They lost a bunch of games by close last year. They have a talented wide receiver. Their quarterbacks pretty play pretty solid. Um, and Jeff Brown at that point probably be playing for his job. So I have us losing at Purdue. Um, it'd probably be a night game on BTN for some reason. Um, Maryland, they avoided us twice last year, so we'll beat the brakes off of them. Um, and then at Ohio State, obviously, we're not Ohio State. And then Penn State, we beat Penn State. James Franklin gets fired on November 28th, the day after. That prediction does hold up to Evan's text two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, it does. He says James um, Franklin fired on the final game of the year. <laughs> yeah, so one, two, three, seven, five, four, six, two, three. I have four losses too. Eight and four. Eight and four. Yep. Wow, those feel really high. Yeah, they are really high. It feels weird when you say um, that. You know, yeah, I'm just hoping good. we go like six and six. I want this team to get to a bowl game. That extra practices, you know, the extra experience for the coaching staff and the young team. So I'd be happy with the six and six, seven and five. And obviously, if we go eight and four, I'd be just ecstatic. Eight and four would be unbelievable. And the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> the schedule for Michigan State compared to Michigan, I'd say Michigan State's is a little easier, obviously. No, no, Wisconsin. Easier. I mean, our <laughs> So, yeah, Michigan State get, lucked out with a nice schedule this year. Michigan at home, you get Purdue and Northwestern. Purdue, Northwestern, Nebraska's are crossovers. Yeah. Pretty, pretty bad. Michigan uh, got Nebraska, but they also, uh, and they got Northwestern. So they got Wisconsin. They get Wisconsin. We get year. Purdue. Wisconsin's our honorable big tennis. We do members. also have Western Kentucky and Youngstown. State that helps. Um, I have Michigan State going five and seven on the year. Yeah, it's not surprising from you. It's unbiased national football reporter. That's like just objectively how I think it's going to go. I'd love to know. Will that opinion change after Friday night? I picked them to win, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, if they look. We win four games the rest of the year. What do I need to see? He probably thinks we're going to lose to Rutgers. We're losing to every single Big Ten game. No. If we're beating Northwest, I agree with you, Evan. We're like, I, I have two, I have Ohio State and Penn State three. as losses. Same. I have you guys splitting. I don't have Penn Obviously, we're going to be opposite of the coin on the Michigan game. Like, so one team would have to be atrociously bad for us to ever pick the other side. Yeah, three. I have you guys splitting between Purdue and Maryland. I really don't know, but I see one of those as a loss. So I guess I see and then Indiana as a loss. Five, six. And I think Rutgers, man. I haven't said he's worried seven. about it. I, I, I could see it. Wow. That would be disappointing. I could see it happening. I'm not going to like lie. I could definitely see it happening. I'm confident about Nebraska. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm not even confident about Western Kentucky. Like I think you guys should win. But we also know like sometimes – like that's a that's a Utah State. 
type team that year. Like it's gonna be scary, and I just don't know. Like you said, homecoming seven thirty should be fine. But and then at Piscataway, there probably there will not be seven turnovers by Michigan State, but also it's like at Rutgers, and they're gonna only get better. Like I think Rutgers is just gonna be yeah, it's gonna be dead. Rutgers is gonna be like a sweat game the next couple of years for for people. I really think that Michigan State is gonna handle Rutgers. I don't know. They return a bunch, but they were not good. Okay, but even if that happens, you can't rule out that they lose their last five. Like it's not a hard schedule, but it's not easy. I don't. Everyone I've ever read that knows anything about Big Ten football, like outside of, I mean, my own biases. Yeah, it could be hard. It's like just says like Maryland's not going to be a pushover. Agreed. But so I just losing don't know. five games in a row to end the season, I could. I don't know. And I checked twenty twenty two for Michigan State. I was going to like tee you guys up for optimism. Twenty twenty two is a tough schedule. So twenty three is Seattle, Seattle, and then you guys get Wisconsin. So twenty three is our year. Twenty three, you guys' year. All right. Also, I do want to clarify. I put out the teaser clip, and what I'm saying is, for the Michigan Michigan State game, obviously we've learned anybody can win that game. Like it's a it's a really good rivalry. Like I know it's not as nationally pumped up because it's just within the state of Michigan. Much better rivalry than Michigan Ohio State because it's actually competitive, right? Sort of. Oh, I do want to say, what do you mean? It's three and three the last six years. Like if you want to go back into like more than a decade, which is like the what you guys used to make fun of Michigan fans for doing, we can. But if we're gonna go with current coaches like Michigan, when since Michigan got Harbaugh, it's three and three. It's a very good rivalry. Every- Let's just go based on since Michigan State got Mel Tucker. It's one and zero. Right. So yeah, super not competitive. It's a good rivalry. Anyways, and it was a close game. I was kidding. Anyways, it's a good rivalry. I also want to say Ohio State. Well, I don't think either of our teams can beat them. There's every year it's gonna happen. It's this year because they're starting a freshman quarterback for the first time since 2014. That quarterback kind was kind of a freshman. Uh, he's a freshman. Uh, CJ Stroud? Yeah. He played last year. He's a retro freshman. So he play, he's played games. He's, he's not fr- just a true freshman walking in. Uh, yeah, like, like he didn't do anything. He had a 60-yard touchdown against Michigan State. So if there's ever a year, it's gonna, it would be this year. If there ever was a year, your better chances in the past two years with Justin Fields. That's what I'm trying to say. Besides that, what I was saying, I know you guys kind of laughed at it, and as you should. I mentioned I thought Michigan was a more talented football team than Michigan State. And that's why I was like, that's why my justification for saying they beat them. Obviously, they got outcoached last year. So talent, we know, doesn't mean everything. But if I was going to back up that statement and not just be like, where is he getting that from? The stars. I go by. I th- it's a great service. Alex, you can't shake your head. 24-7 sports. We all use it for recruiting. I can tell you why Michigan's so high in there. Oh, you're going to do the Michigan bump thing? You can't just objectively say. All I'm saying is there's a... I think people should use it. It's very good for whatever analysis you want to do for college football. When you look at the top teams, are usually who's there. So what? not just recruiting classes. What what 24-7 does is you can do uh, type in like – it's hard to find on the website. You just type in like team talent composite for a school. And they basically take the recruits of everyone on the roster and put it all together. Obviously, it's flawed because like if you come in as a three-star and now you're like a great player, you're not going to show up as high. But, like, if you look at the top teams, it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, Texas A&M for this 2021 season, and Oregon at nine. So, like, it's pretty good. Like, it averages them all up, tells you how many five stars, four stars you have on the team. Michigan is 15th in the country, 833 points, whatever that means. I mean, the highest team is Alabama with 1,004, if that gives you any indication. So, a big gap. And then Michigan State slots in at 36th in the country, which still pretty good, 677 points. 
and you open it up and you can see like, okay, how many five stars we have on our roster right now over all the years. So that's what I'm saying when I say there's more talent on the roster. There's more, I know recruiting rankings don't mean everything, development matters, but there's more recruiting talent on the roster. Not saying that like that. What's that thing called? Team talent composite, 24-7 sports. It's very fascinating. Puts it all together for you. Obviously, like you look at Michigan's team, a couple of their five and four stars are freshmen. So they're not going to really make that much of an impact this year. So that could help Michigan State. And if you look at Michigan State's team, it actually does bear out where like a lot of the transfers they got are four-star guys. So you can see the injection of talent into the roster. So I still think, I still stand by my statement that there's a talent gap. But obviously, I'm not stupid enough to say like that's not why the game's going to be decided. But I just wanted to clarify. Only thing I'll say on that, in 2015, when Michigan State made the playoff, Michigan was ranked ninth in that ranking, and Michigan State was ranked 23rd. And it was a very close game. And one team was better than the other. That I mean, doesn't, it doesn't it factor a, into coaching. That's a, the problem. 2015 was a very close USC game. USC was also second, and they weren't that good. 2015 was a very close game. So I think that bears it out. Like There's a lot of talent on the field in that game. It was a close game. And you can also use that if you want to look at some other Big Ten teams. Like that's why I wouldn't say Michigan being Penn State's crazy. I just think it's uh, it's a good stat to look at. Not a stat. It's a good thing to look at, but I wouldn't put too much into it. Obviously, the top teams, yeah, they recruit. I was just saying when I said the comment, I'm not just pulling it out of thin air. I'm not just like, oh, my my team has more talent. I'm just saying like, I'm using a service that is supposed to be unbiased national college football analysts. Yeah. But we'll see. That's fine. And guess what, boys? We have to worry about Western Michigan and Northwestern, respectively, first before we even think about other games. Did you not know that you had uh, how many wins they have for a bowl game? No, I didn't know, like, for because COVID last year, I didn't really remember, like, what it was, how the bowl situation was. So I had to look it back up. But I don't think, isn't it just six? It's definitely six. Yeah. I was super confused. Because if you Google how many wins for a bowl game, Google will tell you seven. Definitely six. Maybe if you're not a power five, you need seven. I don't know. Don't care. I think that's everything, guys. Winning. Oh, before we close this puppy out, your four college football playoff teams. And who wins it all? Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. And I have... Chalky Chalk. That just sucks to hear out loud. This is so right, but so boring. It's always chalk, and there's nothing different about it. Um, I'm going to say... Hmm... National Championships in Indianapolis. So when Michigan State makes it there, be fun drive down. Um, Four hours, I-69, baby. See you there. Yep. I don't know who's going to win. I just have those four. Just give me one of those four. Fair Most likely it's going to be Alabama. I have – I'm going to go Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma. You really are down on Ohio State. Dude, I'm telling you, I just – I don't think I could be completely wrong. This kid could be sweet. I just don't. There's going to be a drop off. And I think, but with that being said, I think the Big Ten East is probably about like as weak as I've ever seen it. Like Penn State's, and I don't think good. And Indiana's just kind of came off their magical season. And both Michigan schools aren't as good as they have been in the past. So, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But they play Oregon, they could slip up there. Ohio State will probably make it. I just want to do it two SEC teams. Let me do it. I'll probably be wrong. Um, the only spicy take is I'm going to go with Oklahoma to win it all. So we'll have a new champion. I think the Sooners get it done under Lincoln Riley. I think Rattler carries them. And I think they're just – I've heard that their defense is supposed to be much improved this year. I think it would be Oklahoma Clemson in the final. 
unless they play each other in the playoff, obviously. I think I trust Uyghalele over um, Bryce Young and JT Daniels. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Indiana, Ohio State. Nice. I don't think Oklahoma makes it. And I think Georgia wins the title just because I don't want to pick the other three. Yeah, I mean, the inflection in our voices basically just, like, proves it how sucks. depressing. I think I heard Kirk Herbstreit say the sport has the best regular season of any sport the in the worst. worst playoff. Yeah, it's terrible. And he's right. And what sucks is, like, our predictions are probably all going to be, like, 90% accurate. And we haven't even played a game. Maybe A&M sneaks into it, but they have a new quarterback as well. No. Oregon has – Oregon's going to be good in the future. I just don't think it's this year. So who's their quarterback? SCM could sneak in. They're solid defensively, and then they have a really stud running back. But they got to beat Bama. But SCM does get Alabama at home, so I'm fade to that game. I would fade Notre Dame. I don't think Jack Cohn's your answer. What do you guys think about yeah, North Jack Carolina? Yeah, Jack Cohn is 100% not the answer. Anybody think North Carolina can sneak in if they could? I don't think they have enough weapons offensively anymore. They've lost like six of their top production off to the NFL. They, yeah, they lost two NFL running backs in Diami Brown, who we, will, who we drafted on our our fake mock draft. So Wow, this composite, the talent thing, is Nebraska 25th. Which just speaks to Scott Frost just being atrocious at the job of coaching. Yeah, it's not good. I think it's too early for Texas to be good under Sark. I do think Texas will be counting back one day under Sark, but not this year. So, yeah, I think it's your What about place. Miami? They're a sleeper. Uh, I'd have to see it. Notre Dame's always no. there. Miami lost Miami's not a sleeper because they have to go through Clemson, and they're not beating Clemson. Actually, Miami plays Bama week one. Yeah. So, never mind. And they're, gonna, and they're all going to get hurt. Probably. LSU? Revival? Banged up, and then... No. No. They have the fifth I know most talent. the second most overrated coach in college football. Number one, Jim Harbaugh. Dang, I'm glad you said but that. But is he – no, but is he overrated? I don't even think he's overrated not anymore. He's not overrated no, anymore. anymore. Feinbaum said they should save the misery and fire him before the season starts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everything, boys. I just want to have meaningful that's November it. games. That's that's what we strive for. That's what but I'm striving for this year. Honestly, with our reputations and picking predictions, every single game is going to be meaningful. Um, yeah, it's been a long one. I'm not going to tell you where to follow us. You know it by now. Shout out MS. Just all we do is probably break this podcast into a couple days, you know, take it 30 minutes, 45 minutes at a time if you want. We did just talk for three hours. Also, that's about two. Also, keep an eye out for some hype videos dropping later this week. Really watch those and share those. Uh, I'd really appreciate it if you share this podcast as well. I mean, honestly, I would say, though, for how long it was, if you listen to this whole thing, you are going to know more about Michigan, Michigan State football. Than you than wanted to know. Probably anyone in the state. Like, you will impress people at tailgates. I mean, if, if you're a guy, just listen to this and be like, hey, talk to chicks at tailgates. You guys hear about uh, Michigan State's transfer, Corvarius Couch? Crouch? Her, you're supposed to be pretty good. Boom. Next thing you know, you're at a frat party with her, making out. So I think that's how it will go in my head. Um, with all that being said, cheers to episode 35. I have just one drink left. And uh, cheers to Evan having a great experience at Ryan Field. And for everyone to have a great Labor Day weekend. Enjoy. It's the unofficial end of summer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Lions not having any kicker on the roster. <laughs> Facts. We'll have to get to that next week. Yeah, just cheers, cheers to uh, college football being back. Classic. Someone had to say. Yeah. 